Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. It literally is perfect outside. I, I say this so often, Jimmy Cook, because I love Indianapolis. Love it. You... If you cut me, I bleed the torch, right? I love the state of Indiana. I love every. I think people know this by now. I have this weird thing about how much I love Indianapolis and have a pride of being from Indianapolis. But this time of year, when you walk outside and you look at the sky and the humidity levels low, which leads to like gorgeous sunsets, then you think to yourself, this is why like 15 million people live in the combination of San Diego, Monterey, and like the Bay Area, California, right? You know how you have all these vicarious hopes for people that are listening to the show? Yeah. I hope there's somebody in a golf course somewhere today oh, with no us question. playing and just enjoying the links while listening to some query and company while being a part of the company. Yesterday, Jimmy, today is gorgeous outside, right? Yes. But yesterday, I don't think Sam Fritz is filling in for Eddie Garrison. Sam actually is he's one of our board members here at, at Query and Company and is filling in for Eddie Garrison. Sam, by any chance in your vast archive, you asked me a second ago, any audio you want? And I said, uh, and then you asked the biggest trivia question of all, which you said, what are the talking points for today? And I thought, I, I laughed when he asked me. He didn't tell me math was involved. <laughs> uh, do you happen to have audio of a drum roll by chance, Sam? I can certainly get it in a second. If Give me the thumb up because we need to build this up with a drum roll because yesterday, my friends, Jimmy Cook, president, Query Company, yesterday, something happened to me that now I think we've determined I can't remember if I'm a week into the second half century of my life or the the first week of the second year of the first half uh, of the second half century of my life but I'm 51 years old congratulations thank you 51 no one cares by the way I, I do I learned that but well thanks as president of the company I do <laughs> your card's you. late though sorry yeah. We're, we don't have a mailing department we don't have an HR fully established that yet. actually yeah. brings cakes yep. into the break room but yep. that's okay um at 51 years old yesterday, with, with everything going on in the world to talk about. I mean, we've got Colts news to talk about today. We've got somebody from your former or, or from your favorite franchise, a former player that could be going elsewhere uh, today and is linked. We got a guy that was like climbing walls in Pennsylvania that got attacked by canine dogs and is wearing an Eagles shirt while he's being apprehended. I mean, we've got all kinds of stuff going on. We've got you know, we could probably talk about some of the world basketball or the FIBA championships that are now completed, but what it means for the Pacers. A lot to talk about. But yesterday, one of the signature, like, defining moments of my life happened. And I've been fortunate to have some great moments in my life, right? I mean, we all have. But, you know, I got to, I found my way in via an air duct into the Astrodome when it was condemned and closed and got to walk around. I was the only person in there scroll through the Rolodexes of the old Houston Oilers offices. That was a fine moment of my life, right? I've been able to, to do the two-seater several times at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, including like Mario Andretti driving you around. It's a fine moment in one's life, right? I need expansion on that Astrodome story at some point. I, I realize it's probably not for today, but at some point I would like that. Oh, I, I could I've get photos and the whole deal. Uh, if we could, Sam, drum roll, please. Yesterday... At approximately 6.16 Eastern Time. Jimmy Cook, would you like to guess what happened to me yesterday? Yes. Go ahead. An individual came up to you and said, Jake, 
I'm a part of the company. Bingo. I was at the gym, which is where I said I wanted it to happen, and I was walking up yesterday. I, I just did I did kind of a light day because I'm still recovering from a red eye. Yes, that's what happens when you're my age. But um, I was in the gym. I was at one of the machines. I was seated, and a guy who I could, like, I kind of made eye contact with him as I was. And I, it was one of those where you thought you're going to the machine, and you thought, okay, he's wanting to do the same machine, so we're going to kind of do that awkward. Everybody's got headsets in. You know, the awkward ass trying to find a place to park. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, so I go in and I'm sitting at the machine and I'm like, oh, he's obviously going to want to do a set here. Right. (laughs) But he, he does the universal point to the ear thing. So I take the earbuds out and look up and I go, yeah, I'll I'll be done in actually just a second. So you can have it. And he goes, no, no, no. I just wanted to tell you I'm part of the company. Yes. We've made it. And I thought, you know what? That would have been the appropriate time, Sam, if you were like, if we had done pre-show planning for a da 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 da, da, da <laughs> like just some confetti flying in the uh, air, but it's fine. Don't Sorry. give many ideas, Jim. <laughs> Not Sam, I'm saying. The, the. So anyway, uh, this is Querying Company on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan on a gorgeous, already midway through the week, Wednesday. And we'll talk plenty of Colts, obviously. We're going to talk a little NFL as well. Randy Mueller, who I thought was outstanding. Um, Jimmy, I can't remember if you were in or if it was James that was in when we had Randy on. Um couple of weeks ago but a former NFL executive just gives really good insight into building a franchise what teams might be thinking we'll get some insight not only from what he thought of Anthony Richardson but I also think you know and this is going to happen with more teams it's just the the reality and the inevitability in the NFL what you do when you have to call an audible and by that I mean what teams do when all of a sudden one of their key figures a la you know Aaron Rodgers goes down and you have a team that's built, there is always a danger in kind of building around the hopes of one guy. And I'm not saying the Jets were built around Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, he was a late addition. But it's a team that was built, you know, to kind of be reliant on great quarterback play. And and we'll see whether or not they get that from Zach Wilson or go elsewhere. I'm fascinated to see what Zach Wilson is able to do with a second chance, albeit earlier than he probably anticipated the second chance coming. That said, we addressed this yesterday, the championship expectations in my mind, maybe not for the franchise, but nationally you ask somebody, Hey, where are your championship contenders? The jets aren't on that list anymore. They, they, those died for snaps on Monday night. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because, and I tend to agree with you because it's a quarterback's league, right? You know, the last, and I'd have to go back and look at it. I mean, if you had to say, Jimmy, who was the last quarterback to win a Super Bowl that was, quite frankly, it was probably Peyton Manning. The 2015 Broncos. Yeah. Yes. Where the quarterback was a game manager and that was it. But for the most part, the quarterback is the guy that is lifting you and carrying you to that point, right? There is, yes. In today's NFL, and you can go look at almost any historical trend the last 20 years, it is either an otherworldly quarterback that takes you to the promised land or it is a generational elite defense that just right. runs over everybody. Right. A la, I mean, you going way back, that's how Brad Johnson got it. Well, I mean, Joe Flacco has rings but and I'm not trying to fully take away from the quarterbacks like people can throw at me oh well look at these postseason performances they had and that's great but why did they get there why did they really get there it's because the defense and the other thing is this and I take this is not meant to take anything from Joe Flacco but the year where Joe Flacco won the ring and I think he had like 11 touchdowns and no picks in the postseason yeah 
um, you know, you probably when you have a defense that you know team that your opponent cannot move on, it probably does allow you to play a little more freely at the quarterback position or I would say take more chances, but then that would lead to why there would be a pick or two thrown in there. But I just think that it that allows you to play a little more loose, which probably you know takes a little pressure off of you. But kudos to those guys. I mean, you know, you still gotta go out there and perform. But I don't know that the Jets roster is at that level yet. They got some good young players, don't get me wrong. But Zach Wilson's interesting because you know, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but during the combine I was talking to a a Jets media member, and we were talking about because at that time it was you know Rogers' name was already being floated around, but nobody knew for certain that was going to be the guy. But it was kind of speculated. So we were talking about it, and I said, "Well, what about Zach Wilson though? Because he did show early in his tenure, he did show some promise, some flashes at times, and he's mobile." And this reporter said to me, oh, I will never forget. When he got drafted, they made him available to the media for a day for you know Q&As and one-on-ones and whatnot. And they said, I was just about to interview him and said, well, congratulations on being drafted into the NFL. And at that point, Zach Wilson said, well, thanks. I just can't believe that here I am entering adulthood and I've never had to work a day in my life. It's like, yeah, that's probably not the right answer. Right? Yeah. And he kind of looks like a kid that he looks like a truck. Like Zach Wilson kind of looks like everything you hear about what Johnny Manziel was like. Right. There, 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 there's toolish vibes. There's, there, there's immature vibes. There's, there's fears of you like know, Zach just... Wilson in high school would have worked at Abercrombie and Finch or Hollister, <laughs> right? Sure. Yes, he fits. He fits that profile. I would agree. You know, but uh, and then got quickly humbled night? by the way. What's that? And then got quickly humbled by the way by the league, and I and I'm hopeful that like I like to see people do well. So yeah, I I want to see him take advantage of the opportunity. Sure. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it all goes. Well, part of it too is what happens to the psyche of a player. When, theoretically, he thinks, well, and I've been in this position before in my life, quite frankly, um, where you are in a position where by all account you are the incumbent and your opportunity comes and then you get wind from other people that they're actually interviewing everybody under the sun. And you're like, why are they interviewing everybody under the sun? I'm the incumbent. I'm right here. I'm Zach Wilson. I'm ready to right. – I mean, I've, I've been in that. We know that I, I can do this. Why don't they know that I can do this? And so then when he goes out, you know, does that affect his psyche? There's a lot that goes into it, a, a ton yeah. that goes into it. Um, in terms of the Colts, and one of the things that I want to talk about today, and we'll bring this up with Stephen Holder when he joins us at 2 o'clock. I don't know that we got into it a lot, Jimmy, yesterday, but – Anthony Richardson's just the overall health of keeping him on the field. You know, how big concern is the wrong word. You know, they probably, I think everybody collectively held their breath late in the game against Jacksonville when, you know, all of a sudden he's kind of slow to get up. But but when you are, he is a big dude. He's a big physical quarterback. But can you become too reliant on the big physical quarterback and by that I mean, can you become almost too 
trusting or naive as to the dangers of putting him out into the wild and NFL defenses coming after him and keeping him healthy for 17 games, which is a there is no year that it's more important to keep him clean than this year. Because I'm telling you, like the psyche that comes with it of getting battered around as a quarterback is just a dangerous, it's a dangerous area to go towards. Yeah, you want to have a good foundation, a solid foundation across the board for his overall routine as a quarterback, starting with his rookie campaign. And look, there were times where I felt like he made good decisions when to either bail on pockets or decide to go do it with his legs. There were times also, though, towards the end, and and the more notable one is where he was limped off the field and I guess you could say knocked out of the game. Shane Steichen said precautionary reasons and then he should be okay, but it's not at a point where I don't think... Let me rephrase this. I think we're in a territory with Anthony Richardson where the concern might be, well, you don't want to take away his legs. You don't want to take away what makes him an aspect of his game that makes him unique. So why are we talking about fearfulness for him with running the football? Well, I think all you need to do is tweak it. And what I mean by that is, and this was brought up by a couple different people, Trevor Lawrence was one of them. You don't need to necessarily lower the shoulder every time. A slide is fine. Nothing wrong with sliding. I get it. You want to go for the sticks. You want to go for the pylon, but... Nothing wrong with protecting yourself with some of these runs. I think that that is the grace area the Colts will have with this, is that you can fine-tune some of his mechanics with running the football that will make him safer and healthier longer that won't handicap his ability to be the gifted athlete that he was drafted to be, if that makes sense. Like, I think there's a fine line you can walk without taking away one of his most useful tools to attack an offense. The unofficial depth chart from the Indianapolis Colts for week number two. Would you like to guess Jimmy Cook, who the Indianapolis Colts or Sam Fritz? Would you like to guess who the Indianapolis Colts are listing unofficially? Big keyword there. But on their website as the starting running back. Zach Moss. Sam Fritz? Sam looks very befuddled by that guess. I I thought Zach Moss was... Is that not the one who was injured with the broken arm? Zach Moss has been out with a broken arm. That is a correct statement. I I just don't imagine he's coming back from a broken arm so soon. Uh, Evan Hull? Uh, he's on IR. Well, then hurt. I'm also confused on that one, too. <laughs> Easy to do. I mean, because they had so many of them, right? Yes. Um, And then Deion Jackson, even though he doesn't have it, played like he had a broken leg. Is it your high school nickname? Jake Funk? Yes. Jake Funk, a good guess. <laughs> Deion Jackson is listed as the number two running back for the Colts unofficially on their website. Jake Funk, my high school and college nickname, now listed as the third running back. Sam Fritz, in your defense, it was kind of quiet and off the radar when all of a sudden they announced that Hole had gone on to IR. Uh, Zach Moss listed unofficially now as the starting running back. So, you know, what does that mean in terms of we knew that when he was going to be available, he was going to play, right? But, yeah. but what do they do? What does Shane Steichen do in terms of the running game? I think we saw that Anthony Richardson, you can design plays for him, but, big but there, how many plays do you do with him to expose him, number one? But number two, like, you know, how, how long does it take to kind of take off the training wheels of the offense itself? Because right now, you know, if you look at Jacksonville in the in that game, they were they were lining up and presenting ways 
to limit Richardson differently in the second half than they were the first. And the big thing they were doing was basically saying, yeah, okay, if you want to air it out, have at. Like, you know what I mean? Like We dare you. Go ahead. Yeah, actually, yeah, I mean, if you want to – because we're just going to – we can – we can theoretically just drop people back because you can't run the ball. I mean, it's not like they were loading eight people up and saying like, "Oh gosh," like you know. I mean, they were giving him that if they if he wanted it. And in terms of the running game, I'm saying they 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 didn't have to pay attention to it, right? So they they were able to drop back, but then kind of hone in on Richardson. And you know, we know the Jonathan Taylor thing of like, what would happen if Jonathan Taylor was out there? Well, he wasn't, right? So let's just take that out of the equation. But the reality is they knew that for the Colts, what what Indianapolis wanted to do to get chunk yardage was to try to use that arm of Richardson, and he never was given that opportunity because they're just too easy to defend right now. Partially also because I think the Colts were kind of limiting the number of things they were asking Richardson to do. How long does it take for them to start going further, further, further into the cookbook here and coming up with plays for him. They had or 20, is it going to be, you know... They had 25 yards on 16 carries by people not named Anthony Richardson. Yeah, I mean... Like, yes, Zach Moss is needed out there. And this is going to be a... I don't know if they're ever going to be able to bring Jonathan Taylor back in the fold, right? Like, they have to wait three more games anyway, and that's assuming that he is ready to indeed practice and he's going to play for the Colts again. But if that's off the table... The natural progression is, okay, Zach Moss, we need you. Come back. Let's see how this looks. If that doesn't look good, we're going to start signing guys well, off the street? I, like, I is, mean, that, is the that the progression? Jimmy, here's the thing. Zach Moss is a Honda Accord, right? Sure. Perfectly sufficient Honda Accord. But you're like, wait a minute. You're banking on, like, we're getting ready for a race here, and you're and you've got, you're bringing out a Honda Accord. And it's like, well, yeah, but the other two cars that we have in, in are, we have a, a Ford Fiesta, right? A Prius that hasn't been charged yet. And a Chevy Nova, so yeah, we got to go with the Accord here, right? I mean, he's been he's he's sufficient. He's a nice player, but is he a nice player when he's the focal point of the running game? You know, we're gonna see. Here's the other thing I'd like to do today. I'm gonna offer an open invite. Ooh. Yesterday, I got to thinking about this last night. A company wide email type invite or a out to the masses type invite. <laughs> this is a internal memo okay. from the company. Okay. On the Slack? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a Seinfeld episode where George gets super upset because he's in a meeting and he has a comeback line jerk store when he's eating shrimp in the meeting and the guy goes, hey, George, the, sh- the ocean called, they're running out of shrimp. And George is like super upset with himself that he doesn't come with the witty comeback right away and he thinks of the comeback later that night. So last night I'm sitting there um, – I don't remember exactly like what it was that I was doing. I was watching TV, I think, and I had the epiphany. I'm like, you know, when Brian from Mooresville called in <laughs> and Brian from Mooresville said, I thought this was a sports show. You need to talk more sports. I didn't tune in to listen to, to movie chat. And that's when I said, well, have you seen The Wizard of Oz? And he said, well, yeah, it's my favorite movie. And and I said, well, so what, cold is Anthony, or what, what character is Anthony Richardson? probably should have gone with that conversation a little longer because then I said, why are you talking about a movie? So I was kind of a, like a smart ass, right? You jumped with the heat right away. That's right. You could have finessed a little longer with that, but I still thought the delivery was was on point. So, but my, my point being this, there was part of me, and, and the older me, when I say older me, I mean older back in the annals of my career. The, so the younger version of me, 
probably would have done the whole, yeah, well, you know, I got news for you. Like, maybe you should come in and do a radio show then, you know, whatever, et cetera, right? And been kind of a jerk about it. And then it dawned on me. I'm like, number one, it doesn't, that does nobody any good. And number two, that's not the culture I want at the company, right? It's important to have a great culture at the company. It is. Our, our company. <clears throat> Share happiness, Jake. Th- that's exactly. Just like the food I gave you, right? Yeah. yeah. The, the, query, the Quarian the Company, essentially, what this is, it's a company picnic. That's what this is. It's a three-hour daily company picnic, and everybody's welcome. And and when you open up your basket that you've brought to the company picnic, you might not like anything that somebody brought to the pitch in, but but we're going to say, you know what, that's actually an odd thing to bring to the pitch in, but we appreciate that you brought it to the pitch in, and then just move along, right? We're not going to chastise anybody because we're, we're doing a, a, a company pitch in, and they brought like the worst food that no one's going to eat. We, that, that, so, so my point being, so I would like to offer – an open, open phone line invite to Brian from Mooresville. And I don't want people pretending that they're Brian from Mooresville. I want Brian from Mooresville when he calls in because I got to thinking about it. And I thought, you know what? If Brian is listening to this show because he says it's a sports show and he wants to hear about sports, then there has to be a topic that he wanted to either hear or ask about. And he was disappointed when he looked when he walked into the, to the picnic and that nobody had that in their basket. So I thought to myself, what I want to do is give an open <laughs> invite to Brian to call the show. He did say he was going to listen tomorrow. You asked him that. I know. You said, are I know, you listening tomorrow? I can't remember what yes. time that was, so I don't know what time he listens. But he did say he'd be listening today. So I will periodically, through the course of today, remind that if Brian is listening and was, wants to call in, and I'm being totally serious. I'm not even being sarcastic. Hour. One o'clock hour, around one thirty. If Brian is listening and wants to call in, I want to hear from him. I want to give him the opportunity to say what it is sports-wise that's on his mind or what question and or talking point he has that he'd like addressed. And and we will cover because I want to make sure as – listen, we have boardroom meetings a lot about this company, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And with the company, what we want to make sure is that everybody who works for the company feels like they are contributing and or that their corporate needs are being met. And that's all I want to do. So I want to make sure that Brian from Mooresville knows that, and I'm not even being—I'm—I'm I'm totally being serious. Yeah, no, I'm this not, isn't a bit. This, this I'm not is being sarcastic no, no, yeah, at all. Yeah. I'm being totally legit. Like I want to know. I—I I, I felt like yesterday, and quite truthfully, I want to apologize to people listening because I felt like I aired yesterday in not being, not taking more legitimately what it was that Brian was saying, and in that two to three minute window, allowing for that opportunity to hear out his his corporate concern, right? And then saying, you know what? We appreciate it. And as a company, we will do better. I didn't do that. I said, as a company, here's what we're going to do. I want to do better as a company. So Brian from Mooresville, if you are listening, feel free. Now, in addition to that, as I've said all along, and then we'll get to talking about sports and Randy Mueller is going to join us at one o'clock. My cell phone number is 317-523-9288. I think most people have that by now because I've given it a million times. 317-523-9288. And so if you want to be a part of the company, you just simply text me and you're hired. Unless you work in HR, we're not building an HR department <laughs> just yet because those people scare us, right? Yes, they're terrifying. We have plenty of people who have offered financial assistance too. I don't know what that says about us or what it says about my appearance on the YouTube, on the YouTube chat. Like if it looks like I'm... Uh, that maybe we're hurting for money a little bit or are not financially responsible because a lot of people have offered financial advice. <laughs> my first 
suggestion I think that I would have gotten from the HR department would have been instead of what you just did there, it's going to be a hypothetical comments and feedback section that we definitely check on a regular basis. <laughs> a comment box, right? Yes. A comment box. Well, where are we going to put the comment box? Though? That's a, you can't put it on the circle anymore because people can't drive through right. and, and drop off comment, right? Um, I also, by the way, would like to say this. Uh, if you listen to the morning show on this radio station, which I certainly hope that you do, you would have been listening to myself along with Kevin Bowen and Mark Dykton until, obviously, Quarry and Company came about, at which point Andy Sweeney was hired from Louisville. And Andy, who is a native of southern Indiana, um, is one of those guys that when you meet him, uh, immediately he has a a gregarious and radiant, like, friendly personality where you meet him and immediately you, you kind of feel like, or he, he acts as if, you know, you've known him forever, which is a, a very positive trait. Um, last night, Andy, Andy moved up to Indianapolis from Louisville, where he had been working for years in the radio station uh, in Louisville, and moved up here for the job. And they actually officially moved into the east side of Indianapolis over the course of the weekend. His wife uh, is expecting their first child. And last night, Andy had sent the tweet out, and of course, obviously, internally we knew um, that his wife is doing an induced labor a little bit early, but not of huge concern, but a little bit early currently as we speak. So sometime here, uh, appearing to be imminent, they are going to be uh, parents, hopefully, of a healthy young baby boy for the first time. But as a result of that, Andy was not on the show this morning and understandably so will not be on the the program for uh, the time being. You know, obviously we'll be able to return in, in time, in his time, but Wanted to simply, uh, not only as part of the company, and by that I mean literally the figurative one of the radio show, but also um, from all of us at the radio station, which Andy and his wife and his soon-to-be baby boy, uh, the very best, and let him know that we're all thinking about him and we'll be happy to have him back, but we will hold down the fort best we can in his absence. We come back, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the Colts. We'll get more in-depth on it, as a matter of fact. Randy Mueller at 1 o'clock, but... On the other side, is there a guy from Jimmy Cook's past that might be resurfacing? And latest Colts injury news. All of that. Other side. It's Quarry and Company, 93.5-1075 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. As the Colts running back room becomes even more anemic, one has to wonder when the fans don't start chanting this, right, Jimmy? <laughs> we need the funk, baby. I mean, why not start the – clearly nobody's going to chant, we want Jake, so <laughs> we need the funk is absolutely the perfect way of saying it, is it not? Yes. I mean, I feel like you could get a good rhythm going of, we want Jake, we want Jake, but I agree, we want the funk is probably better. More fun. One of the things that we haven't talked a lot about or really analyzed from the from game one against Jacksonville was the coaching debut of Shane Steichen. We'll get into that in just a second. Before we do so, we go to the phone lines where I believe it's JJ joins us on line number one. JJ, what's up? Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, is that Mark Dykton back there? Uh, Mark Sam Fritz is actually the guy you talked to. Dykton is the morning producer. Sam Fritz is manning the ship for us this morning. It is typically Eddie Garrison, but he is in Colorado today. Okay, yeah. Um, I Listen, I appreciate 
what you guys have done, KB, Mark, and you, Jake, and thanks, Sam, and thanks, everybody else. Now I've got double my pleasure because I can listen in the morning and listen to lunch. It's great. <laughs> well, we appreciate it. Very much appreciate it. I'm, I'm still a Cubs fan, so let's fly the W all day long. My question is this, guy. Um, with the running back thing, J.K. Dobbins went down, right? Yep. Um, have there been any mention of someone trying to come after uh, Jonathan Taylor with the J.K. Dobbins injury? Excellent question. Uh, really good question. I I have not heard those two directly correlated, right? I mean, J.K. No. Dobbins, by the way, we haven't even talked about that, but you feel terrible because – you know, you only get so many chances to, to stay, prove and stay healthy, and unfortunately he's just been absolutely plagued by injury in his, uh, you know, albeit brief or early NFL career. I don't think that Jonathan Taylor, at least publicly, there has not been any link between that or sniff around, and I think primarily because, Jimmy, the Colts have made it very clear what they demand back for Jonathan Taylor, and I think teams are just aware of the fact that the price tag is not in the ballpark of what they want to do. Also... It would be very comical to see the reactions from both radio markets for the Ravens and the Colts to execute a trade. For instance, because there's still bad blood there, at least on the Baltimore side. Jake, you brought this up a couple weeks ago. I know it's never going to happen, but it's too funny not to say it on the air. Get rid of the Bob Ursay coffin, and then you could have JT. Yeah, can you imagine that? <laughs> the Bob Ursay coffin and Nacho Mama's right there in Canton Square. I showed you the coffin. You loved it, didn't you? <laughs> she did, yeah. You're like, holy cow, man. Is it's that awesome. real? Um, but I think that you know the Ravens, you do feel for J.K. Dobbins. Yes, most definitely. Even That's his late, whole career. And, he, you know, he got hurt. If you remember, he was hurt in the, I can't remember, if it was the national semifinal. Yes. That was probably a, a, a changing moment for Ohio State. Ohio State fans probably still shiver when they when they hear that. But And now, you know, he, he I believe it was Achilles, right? Yeah. Again. And, I mean, that's, I'm telling you, that is the challenge with an Achilles and this is what Aaron Rodgers, for example, will find out, is I've not had a ruptured Achilles, don't get me wrong, but in in listening to or reading back or looking at players, I go back to, again, I, I mentioned it yesterday, Dan Marino suffered a ruptured Achilles in the 93 season. And, yeah, he played another five or six years and had – and, and was very efficient. But he also was a quarterback that, that didn't rely necessarily on his mobility to begin with. But he's the first to tell you he was never the same in terms of health after that because he was always compensating in some way, shape, or form. He was leaning a certain way or he was afraid to plant a certain way. Not even consciously. You just subconsciously, the way you go through it. So for Dobbins, you feel bad about that, and that would necessitate – I don't know Baltimore's running back depth chart – but Gus Edwards, Justice Hill. I mean, in Baltimore for the last five years or so, and Lamar Jackson for and that Lamar matter, Jackson, right? Baltimore for the last four or five years or so have per, have perfected the running back by committee approach. So that would feel almost uncharacteristic of them to give up what the Colts would likely be asking for to bring in a premier workhorse back, right? Like I think they would rather play the free agent market or roll with what they have in Edwards and Hill until they maybe poach somebody from a practice squad or trade for a lesser name. The the bigger thing, you, you know, like I said, I don't think anybody necessarily picks up the phone right away as a an immediate reaction of let's explore what Indianapolis might be thinking for Jonathan Taylor just because I think the now amongst teams it's been made very clear what the ta what the price is going what what it's going to cost in season trade maybe it's a little bit less but I still think uh, it's significant. Tom, 
joins us, 239-1070. What's up, Tom? Uh, gentlemen, I have put my resume together right now. I, I'm applying for the role in the in the corporation as a knowledgeable, enthusiastic caller. Oh, well, that's – Tom, you know what? You, you could be the head of this – you ever watch that Undercover Boss, Tom? You ever seen that show? Uh, kind of, a little bit. So, first off, I, at this point, if I was the undercover boss, I would lay everybody off that didn't realize they were on Undercover Boss because it means that they're completely <laughs> clueless as individuals. But at the end of Undercover Boss, they always say something like, you know, uh, Tom, you mentioned to me that, that you, you felt like there just was an oversight of, of enthusiastic callers. So I'm going to form a new committee. And then they always create some committee and these people get all choked up. So, Tom... I love what you're what you say here because no one else has offered this. So you are in fact director of color engagement. Well, I, thank you, thank you, Jake. And I I want to make it very clear. I'm talking about enthusiastic and knowledgeable. <laughs> well, now you've yeah, whittled out yeah, our employment yeah. group by half. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here, here let me give you an example of knowledgeable. Okay. I'm going to give you item number one here. It is debatable. Uh, some of the calls that Steichen made whether going forward on fourth down or not was a good or bad thing on some of those calls. I remember early uh, in this first half, went forward on fourth as we were kind of in field goal range and kind of not. I, I like that call. Later on in the second half, we went forward on fourth when I thought we should have kicked the field goal instead and, and taken the three points. But again, that's an opinion. But at the end of the game, it was not an opinion. Twice. The Colts went for it on fourth down around the 10-ish, inside the five there at the end. We went for it on fourth, and we got it. I said, don't go for it. you got to score twice. You're down by 10. Take your three. Do the onside. If you fail to get it on fourth down, the game's over. Well, they got it first down there. Next fourth down came up. He was short. I said, kick the field goal. They didn't. The game was over. You lengthen the game there. You take your three. And you try give the shot at the onside kick. Am I right or am I wrong? And has anybody held Steichen's, uh, uh, you know, feet to the fire about a stupid call there? Well, I think, Tom, a couple of things. Number one, you're not wrong. I, I think you're right. Number two, though, I, I do think that oftentimes in one of the things that we perhaps, and I'm not saying this was the case, but one of the things that you have to weigh into consideration, like – there have been times where you watch games and a team with a really prolific offense or defense does something and you're like, that's a strange call. But what you're not considering is what the coach is thinking about in terms of what his offense or defense does on the other side. So in other words, it's entirely possible that Steichen may have felt like taking the points and then kicking off and getting the ball back from Jacksonville for the second score at that point was not the smart play because he may have felt like his defense was – gas to the point that they were not going to get the ball back and that they had to go for you know what they had right there in that moment even though I know you you know you needed two scores I get it but that you go with you know hey we just got to keep this thing going because what the hell if, if they get the ball back it's over anyway or whatever if that makes sense what I'm saying but uh, yes I think Steichen has been questioned I think he was the I think he benefited Tom from quite frankly the fact that not only is he learning on the job, but his quarterback is as well. And in the NFL, the quarterback is the one that's going to get more attention from the get-go. It's interesting because the coach's job is to take pressure off the quarterback. But what's fascinating, Tom, is that in this scenario, in week one, the quarterback probably took pressure off the coach. Does that make sense? 
No, it does. It, and you know what? For the first time since Peyton's second year as quarterback, I come into this year feeling like, you know what? I have no expectations. I'm not I'm not thinking, wow, with this uh, veteran quarterback coming in to pick up the pieces after luck left, filling in the blank, I felt I felt like, wow, we got a shot this year. This year, I don't really think we have a shot, so I'm relaxed about it. Richardson's development and health, it's all about that. Hey, let me, can I just ask you another real quick question? Yep, we're up against it, but go ahead. When, yeah, when did our offensive line forget how to block for running game? When did that happen? I, it was it was that way all last year. It was that way, it started off this way. We have forgotten how to blow people off of the ball. Well, I think part of that, Tom, and I appreciate the call. Um, part of that concern in terms of the line last year. This is what I think is the hope. I think the hope for last year, quite frankly, is that we discover that the line simply was hurt, and that because Ryan Kelly was, you know, went through what he went through, and as he told Kevin and I at the beginning of camp. He got down. His weight was way down. His strength wasn't there. Quentin Nelson was coming off multiple surgeries and was banged up. Bernard Ryman was learning the position. So you just never had all of the Pistons firing at the same time. That was the that was the explanation. I'll use that as, a, as opposed to excuse. That was the explanation for last season. For this season, they have to hope that, in fact, you know th- those, excuse, th- those explanations are gone now. So if everybody's healthy, now you get a chance to truly see what they can do. Don't disagree that they did not get necessarily, but that's a pretty tough front four they're going against in Jacksonville. So that's a tough test right away, and that water probably finds its level in terms of their ability to blast off the line a little bit. Additionally, it's a symbiotic relationship. It's a mutual relationship between line and running back. Look at the room that's there. Like It's hard for me to judge on one game if it's truly – the line has lost their luster and there's no improvement there from a year ago versus look who's the ball carriers are. Secondly, I know we're up against it, so I'll be quick with it. The thing about that last drive where, oh man, why did they kick the field goal? It's effectively a four minute drive for Anthony Richardson of these reps that we keep talking about how valuable they are. I didn't want to see Matt Gay out there. I'm willing to hear it with 50 seconds to go when it's Minshew out there, it's fourth and goal. Maybe you just take the point and pray that, you know, the least convertible thing that happens in the NFL, which is an onside kick nowadays, happens. Maybe you do that, but for the majority of that drive, that's live, real game, real NFL speed against a solid defense. I'm glad they gave Anthony Richardson the opportunity because that's what this year's about. I'm going to squeeze in one more real quick just because Eddie's not on the board, and Eddie is the he's a very stickler CEO when it comes to the clock, so we're going to take advantage of his absence. Spencer, what's up? What's going on, guys? Uh, you're funk entrance music very good stuff we todd meyer outside. spencer you're a purdue guy are you not i'm actually from iepui okay so <laughs> a little in between of everyone uh because todd but, meyer uh, the the pride of purdue that was his suggestion on the, the entry music yeah but telling you what all the people in the 500 level every, anytime funk had the ball they were all second to bruno mars uptown funk <laughs> <laughs> so spencer are you gonna wear will we see you in a funk jersey at the stadium Dude, that's what my mom and Ann are trying to do. They just want to buy the jersey just so they can sing the song. I'm like, do you really want a parody jersey? <laughs> well, hey. So, so my question for you guys going to the next segment, if you guys have a shirt that you guys have an inside joke on that is in your closet. That's beautiful. I do, actually. Jimmy? I don't think I do off the top of my head. 
I don't know if I'd say inside joke, but it's a shirt that like has kind of a, a special significance to me. And like when you okay, we all have. Have you ever done a, a mass purge? I've been forced to do one. Yes, spring cleaning is a real thing, Jake. Okay, I love my wife. <laughs> I'll tell you about my mass purge and what survived. Uh, quickly on the other side. And then Randy Mueller is going to join us. We'll get an NFL executive perspective, what he thinks of the Colts doing that at one o'clock. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Pretty good question there about the T-shirts, by the way, and it's interesting because during the break we were talking about it. Sam and I both have, like, probably morbid answers for this. Mine would be this, uh, and for those of you just joining us, thank you so much. It is Corey and Company here on 93.5107.5. The fan just took a phone call asking uh, people would wear Jake Funk jerseys in the crowd, maybe almost as a parody, so do you have a T-shirt that you keep for kind of fun or novelty parody purposes? Um, when I when I was waiting to go into the cath lab when I had my heart attack, my probably my number one, I mean, I had, you know, I've talked about all that, but the one thing that I thought to myself was, oh my gosh, like if I do not make it through this, which was, you know, probably 50-50, I'm like, I feel terrible that my parents are going to have to go through all of my stuff because I just had so much stuff. It was ridiculous. I'm not a, a, like a peck rat or whatever you call it or a hoarder, but I mean, I had a ton of stuff. So when I got out of the hospital, I literally for like three weeks got up every day and from eight to five, I'm not kidding you, I, I inventoried every single item that I own and I took 17 tubs of clothing to different charities and I filled a half a dumpster with just stuff, of old stuff, right? So that was my process, Jimmy, of figuring out what I need to keep, what I'm going to throw out. I'm picturing big dumpster in a driveway. Is that what we're talking correct. about? Or well, we talk, we're talking about like a correct. one on the side of a building that you'd see like a restaurant. Like on the side of a building. Okay. Like a, but, okay. but the smaller size of those, sure. right? Like the, the venti. Um, <laughs> there you go. But at any rate, through that, like each shirt, I mean, it's it's really a good question because each shirt you're like, you're about to throw it out and then you're like, I don't know though, man. There is the chance that I'm going to get together with three guys and it's applicable for that and whatever else. The one shirt that I kept for novelty purposes only, as I'd mentioned, is... During the World Basketball Championships of 2002, I served as a reporter for TV New Zealand as a stringer, and I have a TV New Zealand official shirt that says TVNZ. I should wear it tomorrow. It's like a golf shirt, but it says TVNZ, and it's like the just like if you saw a reporter wearing an NBC shirt, it's that, but it's for TV One New Zealand. You referenced it a couple weeks ago and said you're going to wear it and then haven't yet, so please do that at some point. So should I wear it tomorrow? Sure, why not? All right. Sam, yours? So uh, I went through a traumatic event in college. I was trying to cross the street, and a Ford F-350 decided that they weren't having any of me that day. Um, so they hit me. I flew out of my shoes. Helicopter lifted to the hospital. Whole big deal. By, by the way, a helicopter ride that I don't even remember cost $75,000. Oh, yeah. Um, but I'm, I was also in a fraternity. I joined the fraternity after I got hit. And uh, appropriately, they decided to give me the nickname of Roadkill after yeah, said good. traumatic accident. Yeah, that's good. So do you have a roadkill T-shirt? No, it's a baseball jersey. It's a baseball jersey with the with my letters on it, and then on the back it says roadkill, and then it's my fraternity number. I actually do have. I was also my freshman year in college. I was in a fraternity, and we had we had a flag football team. Okay. And I did keep 
the shirt, the jersey. That's cool. It's the only thing I have from that. I have some. I have a polo from a broadcasting company I was going to work with to do some more travel AU stuff, continuing that work, and then the company got investigated for tax fraud, so I've kept it just as a <laughs> – never really got to use it. Uh-huh. Okay, so so in other words, my closet was itemized, and so too is the company that you actually <laughs> exactly. have a shirt for. Randy Mueller next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. By the way, uh, my friend Scott McCain is listening in Las Vegas, said he would like to nominate himself as the uh, vice president of relations for the Nevada branch of the company, of Query and Company. I'm all about it, right? I'm all for it. Uh, Mike, approval. Mike Ross said, Jake, I'd like to be part of the company. Do you have anybody on janitorial staff yet? Listen, we are a messy group. That is fabulous. Mike Ross, director and president of janitorial services of Query and Company. Uh, joining us now on the hotline. He actually doesn't even need one of our fictional company titles because he's been a director of player personnel amongst many other positions in the game of football, including not once but twice a general manager for a National Football League franchise and has been on this show and I thought was fabulous. So wanted to have him back. Randy Mueller joins us back on the program. Randy, first off, thanks for the time. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. Good to be back with you. Hey, let's begin with this. And Randy, by the way, with The Athletic now, I should have mentioned that. Um Randy, I'm curious from your perspective now, we, we've had a game, you know, and it's overreaction week, of course, in the NFL, but in Indianapolis, all eyes are on Anthony Richardson, and I think probably as expected, there were some plays that you look at and you go, yeah, I'd like to have that back, but I felt like more than that, there were plays that you thought, okay, that's why he's been handed the keys. We'll begin with Richardson himself of the plays that you saw. What were your overall impressions of what you saw from him and just what glimpses were shown? Well, I think you're right. I think we all saw the glimpses of what we hope he will become. And obviously Shane Steichen knows better than even us what his skill set is currently. That may not be the same skill set three months from now or two years from now. So he's going to do what he can do and, and that makes sense I think what you're going to see is a little bit of a paint by numbers offense and it's going to be RPOs it's going to be predetermined targets and you're going to see this kid's athleticism probably shine before you know anything really makes sense to him as a pocket passer so I think you're right I think we kind of saw what we expected but I was impressed like you with his size, his athleticism, I thought his poise was good. I don't think the game was too big for him. So there's encouraging signs for sure. When you look, Randy, at just the the development of a quarterback in the National Football League, I'm curious from your perspective, what percent of the the way you go about things are designed to physically grow confidence for the player? And then what percent of it at the same – in other words, allowing him to do things that you know he can do so that he gets the confidence and the comfort level of the NFL and the speed of it. But then also at the same time, having training wheels schematically as to not psychologically interrupt his psyche and get his confidence to the point of no return. Does that make sense what I'm asking? Yeah, it's a great question, and and I think that's the balancing act, right? I think you have to look no further than – up north to Chicago and what Justin Fields has, you know, encountered the last two years. They 
They've tried to do just that. They've tried to tailor make some things for him to build his confidence after a rookie year that was, you know, uh, debilitating for the most part. So they're trying to rectify his confidence. But at the same time, when you give these quarterbacks the things that they do best, you're limiting your offense per se. And as we saw around the league, I don't know if you put any numbers to what we saw this weekend, but average points per game is way down, way down, probably 23 uh, true media is a stat group that I use. They had not had this low of a points per game average since 2000, once they start giving these inf- this information out. So I, I reckon that part of it is the development of these young skill challenged passing quarterbacks. They're more runners. I think that's part of it. The other thing I think is most around the league, especially these young guys, they're not playing much in preseason and they need, reps and early in the season we're going to see a reflection of starters quarterbacks not playing a lot in preseason randy miller joins us host of the football gm pod on the athletic you mentioned the year 2000 former nfl executive of the year back in 2000 a longtime nfl gm randy there's parts of the colts roster where i look it up and down and i think it's it's a bad roster and i I lead into that by saying during your tenure were there ever moments where you'd look at your roster and say we got a lot of work to do here, and how fast is that to to rebuild? And especially when there's pressure of a young quarterback, you'd hope to rebuild in that equation. Yeah, I think it's a great point. And yes, I've had those days, and I remember a, a year in Miami where I used to tell our guys, I said, I feel like when I watch us play and practice, remember the old electric football games that we had when we were kids, where it was just a big pile of bodies vibrating all over the electric <laughs> it was the best nobody, nobody had any idea what was going on it was just a little bunch of little things like <laughs> and nobody ever broke out of the pack so correct it ball it was almost like a scrum and so I've, I've had those teams and and it i didn't sleep much at night and, and i'll be honest with you i don't think the colts are at that position but i don't see a lot of explosiveness and maybe some of that's without jt in the lineup but there's not a lot of explosive players on the perimeter or or things that they can do to wide open and, and really stress defenses. So that's a problem, and I, I'm sure Chris Ballard knows it. He watches it every day. Probably be the first thing I would try to fix is try to add more team speed to that group, and especially offensively, to, to try to spread the field. The problem is when you're training a young quarterback, um, you've got to play it somewhat close to the vest, but at the same time, the defense doesn't have to play for all these other exotic things either. So you're kind of, when you roll out one way or when you run an RPO or play action, the defense, it, it limits what they have to worry about as well. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Randy, when you look at week one, I, you mentioned it a little bit in just the scoring in general. It, it's kind of a copycat league. Um, I think we know that. There there have always been trends sometimes in the way the game is called, um, mm-hmm. particularly in the passing game. I mean, you know that. You know, When you were first entering the league in the early to mid-'80s, quarterbacks were playing in a totally different almost set of rules than they are now. But yep. what what things do you see? Like, is Indianapolis almost ahead, I guess, with Richardson if he's who we think he is because of the fact that we've seen dynamic running quarterbacks and we've seen big-arm quarterbacks, but very rarely do we see both in one. Does that make sense? Is he Is he a – can he be a transcendent player or is he actually just following trends? I don't, I don't see the transcendent player at this point. I see flashes of talent, but
but my criteria might be a little different. The big arm for me is not really top of the criteria list for me. I've got to have a processor. I've got to have a, a, a different pitch. I've got to have three or four pitches so that when they start hitting my curveball, I got something to fall back on. And I think that's the big change I see in the game. And it's not just the Colts. It's a lot of these teams taking young, inexperienced, skill set challenged at times passers of the ball. And, and that's, that's the big difference. We, we don't see the passing game. We see a lot of college RPOs, a lot of simplistic offenses being run now to train these young quarterbacks because we've had it pounded in these teams' heads that they got it's a quarterback-driven league, so we got to get one. So that's, that's where they're putting their resources is to find an athletic guy who gives them some movement in the pocket. But you're right. If, if you find an a, a athletic guy who can process from the pocket, I'm not saying – stand there and throw with a big arm, but process, guess what? You, you found John Elway or you found Dan Marino or you found the, the stars of the game forever. They're just hard to find, like you said. Kind of a two-part question, Randy, but with a young quarterback in Anthony Richardson, how many games realistically into the season is it before he has seen every defensive adjustment and junk defense that's thrown at him you know, where there's not much that he's going to look over the field and be completely thrown for a loop. That starts to happen around when, where he's then comfortable with all the looks that he's seeing. And in addition to that, how many games does Anthony Richardson play before defenses have a very clear understanding from tape of what exactly his tendencies are? I think I'll take it in reverse. I think they know what to expect from Anthony Richardson, and that would be a little fearful for me. They know what he's capable of right now and where his development is. So that's been my point all along. Are there going to be enough pitches available to him to beat defenses who kind of know what's coming? So that's part of it. As far as him understanding and seeing everything, I think that's a year or two away. I don't think you're going to see a lot of exotic things against the Colts because they don't present uh, that as an option as an offense. So, it's kind of reverse psychology, but I don't think I think defenses are going to be very basic, and it's going to take Anthony a while before he sees what's going on, or he's going to have to beat some things before he even sees the adjustments that that the defenses have to make. So I think it's a one or two year process for sure before you even gather the information to say, hey, we're headed in the right direction. Randy Mueller joins us, covers all things from the GM's perspective with the Athletic. There was a piece that came out earlier today, Randy, that it highlighted the fact that the fewest pass attempts that featured pass attempts of 15 yards downfield or more since 2006 occurred last season. There were only about 3,500 instances of that a season ago, and that trend to your point about low scoring continued to be a factor in week one of the 2023 campaign. Uh, My question with all that data is this. If you are molding a quarterback or trying to find the perfect quarterback in the draft and then build around him, you answered part of this earlier, but defenses are wanting quarterbacks to go through multiple progressions versus sitting looking at a defense and knowing they have a deep shot there, or they have a quick slant there. How crucial is that aspect of quarterback play, being able to progress through reads quickly while making the right decision at the same time? And how hard is that to develop in a quarterback if they don't have it out of the draft? I think it's the number one criteria for me. Others may have a different criteria, but it's the number one criteria for me when judging a quarterback and a skill set. It's very hard to find. It's very hard to develop. Can they get better at it? Yes. 
but it's almost an instinctive nature of timing, of poise, of rhythm. And some of that comes with the offense. And so the offense has to kind of get him to walk before he runs. But I think it's the number one criteria. And I don't know that a lot of people believe the same thing. I think they think they can manufacture quarterbacks nowadays. And that just never was the case in, in, in the NFL prior to this. So it's a changing game. We'll see how it works out. Um, you have the other side of the coin with a guy like Jordan Love, who basically has sat for three years. Now looks like he has a really firm grip on processing and what's being asked of him. It'll be interesting to see how his season goes because that's probably another test tube way of, of developing that quarterback. Now, they were lucky they had Aaron Rodgers. Nobody has that for the most part. So that's a little bit unrealistic. But I do think it's a year, a year and a half before a guy that plays right away gets his feet on the floor and actually can get to anything level two or level three at the quarterback position. Randy, if you were to make a list, like two sheets of paper, on one sheet of paper you've got to write down every quarterback in the league that we now that you have seen enough, and I'm talking about the young guys, three years or, or, mm-hmm. or less, let's say. So on the left is the sheet of paper that you go, okay, I've seen enough from these guys. I definitively now know either who they are or who they aren't. I mean, it might be that, you know, you're like, look, I – and then on the right are guys that you still need to see more because you're not completely convinced that you know for a fact whether to write them off or give them the stamp of approval. The the last quarterback on page one and the, the top quarterback on page two, the dividing line is what two guys? That's a great question. You should subscribe to The Athletic. <laughs> I do subscribe to the athletic actually. <laughs> I wrote a column like this, not quite as in depth as you're asking, but I, I picked six players that were kind of in that hit or miss category and kind of evaluated them, but I left the rookies out of it because I think they're in a different developmental phase. But yeah, you're looking at guys like Desmond Ritter, like Justin, uh, uh, Justin Fields, even Mac Jones, who's played a lot. I think I, I need to see more of these guys and really, it's a, it's a level of, of advancement. It's, it's like any of us at our jobs. We're, we might be okay at it year one. We should be a little better year two. We should be pretty darn good year three. So you got to kind of track it to follow the progress these guys are making. And a lot of times it's not necessarily their fault that they're not because the team around them isn't as good or you just have bad things happen because of the system not being a fit. It's a moving target. I don't know that you can definitively define who is above the line and who's below the line. It's, it's a hard one. I think probably the middle-of-the-road guys, and, I, and I'm going to say that the and this isn't really definitive, but a Kirk Cousins is probably viewed by most as 12, 13 in the league when it comes to value. Where does he fit? Uh, and, and if you're above him, you're probably good enough to win with and not because, you know, and probably because of, not in spite of. That's probably the question is can we win with these guys or, do, or can they make everybody better around him? So in the AFC South, obviously the one team that has the established – well, I mean, Tennessee is still kind of feeling its way through that transition from veteran into young player. But Trevor Lawrence, have you officially now given him his driver's license and he's no longer driving with a permit? 100%. He's graduated. He's second level, third level. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, I like, he's graduated. It's a good way of saying it. Randy, here, here's the burning question for you, Randy Mueller of The Athletic. We were talking about – clothes in your closet that you just can't throw out right that like your wife is like listen this has got to go and you're like no 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 it has special meaning to me now i'm always fascinated by this you would have theoretically accumulated sweatshirts t-shirts shorts whatever from the seahawks (laughs) saints dolphins and chargers 
Yep. One of one of those franchises, I think, has the best logoing and color scheme in the National Football League. And if I had access to freebies from there, I would be taking trunks home. Now, <laughs> which of those teams is in your closet that you're like, I, I can't part with it? Well, it's not the Charger stuff, so I hate to disappoint you. But I'm a, I'm a Northwest guy. I'm a Seattle guy. I'm, I'm born and raised in Idaho and lived in Washington, Oregon. And so my Seahawks stuff, I'm still a Seahawks fan. So I have stuff from the 80s, uh, Seahawks stuff. But I always made it a, a thing. When I left a franchise, I would bag most of the stuff up and take it to a clothing place uh, for, for uh, you know, Habitat for Humanity. Sure, sure. And it was awesome to see. So I don't have a lot of stuff. You'd be shocked at, at 35 years in the league how little NFL gear that I have. Randy, I totally believe that because in working and racing, the same thing, right? I mean, we get sponsor changes and you got to take a lot of stuff to charity. But without question, in my opinion, and this is going to show my age, without question, the greatest color scheme and nostalgic nature of just cool, awesome helmet and logo is the Steve Largent, Jim Zorn era, Kurt (laughs) Warner era of the Seattle Seahawks, baby. I love it. I love that Seahawks. So... Uh, big You're thumbs be up happy there because it's coming back this year for a game or two. Oh, I know. Being in Seattle, the Seattle people are eating it up. It's the greatest thing ever. All I know about the Pacific Northwest, I love it, Randy. I think it's gorgeous. I was just there. I also know in Idaho, um, you want to put a sign on the border that lets the Californians know we're out of space. Thanks. We appreciate <laughs> the interest, right? You got it, Peg. Man, we're all filled up. Randy, I appreciate the time as always. In our fictional company of Query and Company, I've decided typically you would just simply be, obviously, director of football programming here for our show. But I also think because you're my favorite guest, I'm going to make you, you are fictionally our director of guest relations. Is that cool? I like it. I love the people part of it. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. Randy, uh, enjoy the rest of week number two getting set for it here in the NFL. Appreciate the time. Thanks, guys. Anytime. All right. Randy Mueller again from the Athletic joining us on the program good stuff I, i'm telling you those if i had the seahawks stuff jimmy i maybe tomorrow i'll wear my tv new zealand shirt and my seahawks hat i got combo i've got an awesome seahawks what color is the new zealand shirt by the way well interesting question the in new zealand the sport the sport is rugby soccer's big my buddy that from high school that now lives in New Zealand is a, has become to, his kids love soccer, but rugby is a big deal. And the national rugby team of New Zealand is called the All Blacks because their uniforms are all black. And the basketball team, which was here for the 2002 World Championships, is either 02 or 2000. I think it was 02. Uh, that team is called the Tall Blacks because it is kind of an offshoot of the national team of the rugby, which is the the kind of the original beloved national right. team in New Zealand. So all of the gear in covering said team is it's themed around the team itself. So because I was covering that team, the shirt they sent me, it's a golf shirt with it almost looks like a Hawaiian shirt, but it's all it's black. Okay. But the accentuation of it is white and it just says T V and Z and then the sleeves have like kind of an aboriginal print and i don't think it says anything about the tall blacks on it it's actually pretty cool to be honest with you but if you wore it you know people would just be like what is that like what brand is that then yeah wear it tomorrow okay now what about my i have two fabulous hats 
And I'm not like a – I guess I'm kind of a Seahawks fan, admittedly. I guess I'll just say it. Like, nostalgically, I just am. They, they just were cool when I was a kid. But I have a blue – a royal blue Seahawks hat that has the old Seahawk on it. That's all that's on it. And then I have – did you have a snow hat when you were a kid with the little ball on top? Yep. What team? Chiefs? Chiefs. Yeah. I still do. So does it have – so the, it's got the, the little ball on top. Yep. And then, like, on the forehead, it's got probably a patch, right? Yep. Does it have the logo or does it have the helmet? Logo. Okay. Sam, the one as a kid, I think, had the helmet, but the one that yeah, I have today yeah, yeah. is the logo. Okay. Sam, do you have one? Don't tell Mark, but I do have a Green Bay Packers hat, yes. And does it have the, the helmet or the logo on the, the little patch? Logo. Okay. So, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I was bored. I'm surfing around shopping on stuff for the NFL, and they had an old, it's, it's not old school, but it's made to look old school, Seahawks hat, like a snow hat. Oh, nice. So I have a winter hat that has like the little green and blue ball on top, and it's got the Seahawk logo, just the logo itself. I just think it's a cool logo. That's a really cool logo. I'm, I'm a big fan. My friends get mad at me all the time if we ever play in Madden. I love to tinker with the uniforms for like an excessive amount of time because oh, yeah. I like good combinations or I like to bring out some throwback unis. So if, okay. I'm right there with you. If you, were, if you were awarded an NFL franchise... It's one of my favorite questions. If you were awarded an NFL franchise, <laughs> but you have to put it in a city that has never before had an NFL franchise, what city are you going with? What's your nickname and what's your color scheme? Man. I mean, Austin, Texas is kind of the obvious here, except for that everybody in Austin either A, isn't from there, or B, if they are, they're already like a Cowboys fan. Kind of the same. San Antonio, by the way, I can tell you with 100% confidence, the city of San Antonio was going to get the New Orleans Saints. And they were the Saints were on their way to become the San Antonio Saints and play in the Alamo Dome. And then Katrina hit. And for the just kind of uh, the obvious emotional reasons, the NFL, you know, they just they couldn't move. So they stayed, they ended up staying in New Orleans. So Katrina actually, oddly enough, for all of the devastation that took place with that, Hurricane Katrina actually saved the city of New Orleans, from losing an NFL franchise. Um, yes, sir, Sam Fritz. I just I felt as though I had a good answer for this question. Uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay. Does, New Mexico, as far as I know, doesn't have any professional sports You're teams. You're correct. Uh, and jersey style, go with the state flag, uh, a good bright yellow flag. with a burnt red. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. And Accent. Then what's the name of your team? Uh, give me an extra second. Okay. Albuquerque's not a bad one. That's the good. The Albuquerque Turkeys. Oh, boy. You were doing well until that. Although the color, you know what? In all honesty, the colors of the New Mexico like state flag kind of looks like the the back feather area of a turkey. But and also, the, the colors have a very Thanksgiving-type style. Well, that's the other thing. is what, what happens if you're the turkeys? You can't play on Thanksgiving, right? I think that I think that guarantees it's an automatic L, game, though, right? right? You're going to get slaughtered on Thanksgiving. Cowboys it's are going to roll It's them. a very easy, like, that's a, that's a really easy headline right there. You're in trouble. I've always wondered, do you think there's ever been discussion about putting a professional sports league team in Honolulu? I mean, it's the si- it's bigger than Green yeah. Bay, it's bigger than, you know, it's it's a decent sized city, but the travel would if we're talking about putting teams in London or we're talking about putting teams in Germany eventually, then you can't say that the travel is the reason there's no team in Honolulu. You got the Pro Bowl there that's no longer there anymore, but you got a stadium, it's kind of archaic, I've been in it, but, you know, I'd be here for it. Whenever I, I would relocate teams, I would always move to smaller, obscure. Like, I would love to have a team in, like, I don't know, Rhode Island, for example. Like, or just like, like bigger city, the, the, but the smaller, problem, smaller though, Jimmy, areas. And I know you got with, 
conflicting markets. I know. See, the problem with Rhode Island, yeah, exactly, is it's, I mean, like if you go to a Patriots Delaware. game, you fly into Providence because it's right there. Right, right. I mean, Foxborough's like literally from Foxborough, and I get your point, but people don't realize the New England Patriots play in the New England Patriots play in Foxborough. Got that whole Northeast. It, it, it's literally like if if Indy is since if Cincinnati is Providence and Indy is Boston, Foxborough's Batesville. Like it's like literally halfway yeah. between the two. I think I would go by the way with Birmingham, Alabama, because it's a cool city. There's a lot of banking and money there, and it's obviously a passionate football town. The challenge you're going to have, kind of like the Pacers here, is it's primarily a college football town, right? But I do like. Like Tampa Bay Bandits, Bandits has already been used, but I think I'd go with the the Birmingham Bandits. I like it, and I would be black and red. Did you come up with one? Not really, no. Okay, well, thanks for participating. I know. I'm sorry. It's always fun. We'll get back to Colts conversation, and we'll do it next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We were talking about, by the way, and we'll get back into the Colts conversation here, in particular at the running back position, uh, we want the funk. We need the funk, baby. Jake Funk. Is he going to get more reps? Stephen Holder joins us coming up in about 30 minutes. A couple of house cleaning items. Number one, I'd like to say hello to everybody who is hanging out in the YouTube chat. I think we refer to that as the break room because it is Quarry and Company. Um, those of you who have been on there and participating and getting involved in the conversation that is, of course, sometimes based on the show. Sometimes it's just uh, some folks having a chat about sports. We appreciate it. Certainly want to say hello to all of you that are on there today. Uh, Secondly, in talking about if you were going to name an NFL franchise as an expansion in your Albuquerque Turkeys, which we'll get into in a second, Sam, Somebody said if the Indianapolis Indians ever decided to change their name that they would nominate Clowns. Of course, the Indianapolis Clowns was the uh, Negro League team that Henry Aaron began his career with. I personally think of the two, if the Indians ever changed their name, I'm not saying they need to or should, but if they decided to do so and wanted to pay homage to the baseball history in Indianapolis, I would go with ABCs. Uh, the ABCs were a team that, so the in the original Negro Leagues, you had essentially two franchises in Indianapolis, the Clowns and the ABCs. ABCs actually stands for the American Beverage Company, which was the sponsor and ownership company of the team when they were playing. They played in, I think it was called Washington Park, which is over now essentially what is the Indianapolis Zoo. There was a baseball stadium there. The Indianapolis ABC's best player was a guy that many believe is a top five player in the history of baseball, Oscar Charleston, who managed the team. He later managed the Grays and the Negro Leagues. He was a legendary player, home run hitter, uh, fielder, fabulous player. And again, baseball historians consider Oscar Charleston, who is his permanent resting place now, is over just to the west of the old Central State Hospital. There's a cemetery there. It has a proper marker, finally after years of a small headstone that only recognized his military service, there is now one that recognizes that he is, in fact, a 1976 inductee into the Baseball Hall of Fame and widely considered one of the best players in the history of the game. But when he played for the Indianapolis ABCs, they actually won a Negro League championship. I I can't remember if it was 19... 
14 or 15, but in that vicinity. Uh, Charleston was an Indy native that was born. At that time, there were two segregated neighborhoods in Indianapolis. One of them was over near what is now IUPUI, uh, which is where Major Taylor was born, the Lockfield area as it was known. The other um, segregated area of Indianapolis was essentially in where Oscar Charleston was born was just underneath the 70-65 split. So if you were to go down Pennsylvania Street at about 1300 North, right in that area was where, you know, at that time the, quote, black neighborhood of Indianapolis was, and that neighborhood was essentially cleared out in the 50s for the expansion of the U.S. interstate system. But that's where Oscar Charleston was born. That's where he lived. Uh, He served in the military, then came back and was a fabulous baseball player, played for the ABCs. So I would say Indianapolis ABCs is what I would go with. Uh, Sam, have you hired a marketing firm for your Albuquerque turkeys? Yeah, we're actually holding uh, open tryouts next week. (laughs) Uh Sure. I always always get a kick out of like when they say open tryouts because, you know, you get like some 45-year-old guy that's like, I hit 350 at Plainfield back in 89. Yeah, okay, sure. I'll Uh, sign him. if If I hadn't busted my ankle coach had screwed me i'd have gotten signed right out of high school the uh i felt bad about last segment it's the hartford herrings apparently the state fish is the american shad which is a type of uh obviously hartford i know it's not a state but in connecticut that is the state fish is the shad which is a type of herring so i went with the hartford herrings we're gonna have a nice like blue maybe turquoise type yeah they'll go with the whalers right that's cool rolling have you noticed the subliminal h in the hartford whalers logo i've not if you look up, are you familiar with the Hartford Whalers? I'm not. Sam, you know the Hartford Whalers? Yes, I am. Hartford Whalers uh, became the, I always get confused by this, the Quebec Nordiques became the Colorado Rockies. The Hartford Whalers, I believe, became the Carolina Hurricane. Yes. But if you look up the Hartford Whaler logo. That's solid. A, do you see the H yes, and the W? That's beautiful. There's yep. a W there, too. Like, you never unsee it. But I, the Hartford Whalers logo, I, I looked at for literally 20 years before I realized there's an H in the middle of it. And I'm like, oh, wow. And, and then once you see it, uh, Bob Kravitz has a Hartford Whalers hat that he wears. Are you envious of the hat? It's a pretty awesome hat. It's actually kind of like the Seahawks hat of, of the NHL. If they were having open tryouts for the Colts, would they do it for the running back position? Are we there yet? We're not there yet, but we're getting close. Because I thought Evan Hull showed – like, I think they had some promise for him. And he's on the IR now, so it depletes it down and – you know, they released their unofficial, quote-unquote unofficial, depth chart today, and it has as a second-teamer Zach Moss. And, or excuse me, as the starter Zach Moss, and Deion Jackson now in the second team. That That's assuming that Moss is going to be 100% healthy. I, I thought Joe Wright's touched on something interesting, Jimmy. I don't know how much of Deion Jackson's I'll say ineptitude, lack of traction, better way of saying it, in game one. How much of that's on Deion Jackson and how much of that was just on the scheme that Jacksonville was doing and the Colts' complete inability to to open lanes for him, quite frankly? I mean, the easy answer is both, but I would put it more on Jackson because this is a guy that at the back end of last season, you thought you saw flashes of whether it's a – a by committee or a secondary option could be a valuable part of that running game now being asked to be your workhorse back. And again, it's 
not overreaction Monday anymore, so it's tough for me to say, like, well, if they're with Deion Jackson the rest of the year, they're in trouble. But I think it's more so the role he was being asked to play versus what he would be then asked to play if he's number two versus number one. Is running back an important enough position? No. Right. I was going to say that you go out and you start scanning around yet. I mean, look, whether it was Kareem Hunt or James Robinson or even Dalvin Cook a couple of weeks or not weeks, months ago now, I guess, my boat in the summer was if it's a Jonathan Taylor holdout and you're that worried about your quarterback's development being hampered by not having your all-pro running back, then go spend $10 million on a one-year rental and it's fixed. It's figured out. Now, granted, again, one-game sample size, Dalvin Cook, in the amount of snaps that he got for the Jets, was outplayed by Brees Hall, the rookie they drafted a year ago. So maybe that wouldn't have worked. I don't know, but that would have been my patchwork save is go sign a veteran. Now, if you want to bring out that idea, Jake, you're looking at the bottom of the barrel or guys that are still hanging on to life in the NFL unless you want to go sign Kareem Hunt. Speaking of the running back position, it's what Nick would like to discuss on the show. Hi, Nick. How are you? Hey, how you doing, Quarry? Doing all right. Hey, a question, because um, you know, looking at the offensive uh, makeup right now, clearly we have questions of whether our wide receivers can separate and our wide, and our running game is virtually gone. If you had to choose, would you rather sign Taylor and pay over – I'll say overpay, not sign, but overpay, and give Anthony Richardson more support in that respect or trade him and get an elite receiver in exchange – to get him more support. I think, I think at this point it's a matter of trying to preserve this kid and get him help so he's not annihilated. Because I was looking in the pocket on the game on Sunday. He had a lot of time when in pass protect. So if you – would you rather overpay and keep? Would that protect him more or trade and get him an elite number one? Nick, you, I, got, I got a question for you, Nick. When, when you began by saying you, – you referenced my last name of Query, okay? Um. I don't think that we've – have we met in person before, Nick? Is Nick still there? In, uh, in the morning. What's that? Okay. And, and I meant that as a good way. It All is, right. It is fitting that you referenced me by last name because in the time that I've done radio in this town, at this station, including the morning show to, to, to now, I think that's the best question anybody's ever called in and asked. Um that you are now in terms of the company nick i don't know if you're looking for a side hustle but we are actually you are now you're the vice president of queries for querying companies is that cool all right yeah I'll have my people call your people all right? <laughs> i appreciate it it's a great question uh and to answer it my answer would be this and that is that uh i would even though i don't think in this in this hypothetical i would move jonathan taylor to get an elite number one stretch receiver like Jalen Waddle, it was a guy that was discussed. That was never going to happen. But in the hypothetical dream scenario, I think Taylor is a wonderful player. But Jonathan Taylor at his highest level and three very good receivers is less a punch than a very good running back and three Jonathan Taylor level receivers. I would rather have the receivers for Anthony Richardson in today's day. If you look at teams that are impossible to defend. Yeah. Having running backs that, that are weapons and Jonathan Taylor is, there's no doubt that he is a weapon, but I would rather load. I would have rather have the riches at the receiver position than the running back.
it is a good hypothetical. But at its core, if you were asking Chris Ballard that question, it's not a great question because the answer is obvious that it's yes, you want the wide receivers. You does don't he? want I mean I does I, he? I do. I, would. I know, but does he? If he's asking for Jalen Waddle and Christian Watson, then there's your answer. If that's legitimate Correct. what he's asking for, because he Fair. knows that would most help his quarterback is a number one wide or, receiver. Or was he saying that because he needed to present as though Jonathan Taylor was on the market, but he knew there was no way those guys were going to go for that? Maybe. I mean, you over-ask, but the negotiations, I'll, this is more, I guess, for my generation. Um, whenever I'm, if I'm playing franchise mode in a video game, there's, it comes a point where if you make a trade that's so bad, you get locked out from trading with that team. Like It's like they don't want to talk to you anymore, and you can't file subsequent trades for a certain amount of time. That's basically what happened with Chris Ballard. Like, you ask for the number one wide receiver in Miami or one of the number one wide receivers in Miami, and you get hung up on, and that potentially burns negotiations down. I'm kidding slightly because I don't think that it's that petty where, like a video game, they're not going to answer the phone. But it's it's two thoughts. Is it Ballard trying to set the bar so high that he doesn't have to move Jonathan Taylor, but he can sell it like he's actually trying to move him? Or does he genuinely think that he's going to get the compensation of an elite-level right. wide receiver for a position that, as we mentioned a week ago, nobody cares about? And if you want to look further for why nobody really cares about it anymore, you ask it to start the show. The Ravens are not going to scramble around, make seven different phone calls to find a top-level running back because J.K. Dobbins went down. Right. That just That's not how teams do it anymore. Like, I wanted to ask that to Randy, and I'm hopeful we'll have him on again, is – does he agree with that premise that if a running back goes down, it's the le- least likely position that you're outside of like special teams. It's the least likely position you're going to panic and go make a phone call to fix. And what is the most likely position that you'd fix? I think but, that's an easy one. It's probably quarterback. By the way, last night when I was watching North Central and Carmel in soccer, was that live? What time did you watch that? It was probably 10. No, no, it was a rear. It was a rear. But it was yesterday. The yeah, game it was, was yesterday. Yeah, yeah, uh, okay. Taped at 7, aired at 10 on WHMB TV4. I enjoyed watching it, actually, on WHMB. You did a nice job with that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Mark, what's up? Yeah, um, I have some breaking news for you, Jake. Um, the uh, Albuquerque Turkeys have met the same fate that Wilt Chamberlain's ABA playing career did. Never made it off the ground. <laughs> but, but we are reintroducing the Albuquerque franchise to you. The Albuquerque, Cur- Albuquerque Cobras begin play next year with the uh, team colors of black, Brown, white, and orange. Okay. And the Albuquerque turkeys are, act, or I'm sorry, not the turkeys, the cobras, um, are actually a relocation. We're moving the Houston Texans to Albuquerque. <laughs> and we're restoring what should be in Houston, the Houston Oilers, back to the NFL with their obviously nice powder blue and Derek, uh, you know, oil Derek uh, Mark, helmet logo. How old a guy are you, Mark? I am about your age. I'll say I graduated from high school in the early 90s. Okay. My, one of my first childhood memories of watching football, and I don't even know if I watched it live or just saw the highlights of it, is it in my introduction to the NFL. But is there anything more nostalgically cool than Earl Campbell's Monday night game against the Miami Dolphins? You bet. You I bet. mean, just the it's best, a, right? Best. And those, those, and, and yep. I say that because those uniforms, those helmets were awesome, man. Absolutely awesome. Now, um, the, 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 you mentioned the color scheme for the Albuquerque Cobras. Right. Have you ever heard the tale of the Indianapolis Lasers? I have, yes. 
Very similar color scheme in the laser logo, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yes. And I don't recall, Mark, the – I never rem- – I don't remember the, the laser broadcast when it happened, but I've heard about it since. And, and by the way, Mark, which high school was that that you went to? Um, McCashin High School in Lafayette. Okay. Uh, so you were before Clayton Richard, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Fabulous player, though. Uh, appreciate and the call. Way before Robert – Way before Robert Fennessey. And, and by the way, Wilt Chamberlain did, in terms of the ABA, he was a player coach, I think more coach than player, for the San Diego franchise in which he coached former Carmel star Billy Shepard uh, in the ABA. The Indianapolis Lasers, by the way, Jimmy, are you familiar with the tale of the Indianapolis Lasers? I was not until... I am not familiar with it, no. I, I When it happened, I was unfamiliar with it. Uh, Indianapolis did not have an... NFL franchise, obviously, in the early 80s. WIBC Radio, our sister station, at that time had Bob Lamey. Jerry Baker was a contributor as well. Um, Joe McConnell, who became the radio play-by-play voice of Purdue, I believe was involved. And they got together one day. I believe it was 1980. 80 or 81. This was so brilliant, and it was such an illumination of the creativity of radio, true old-school radio. They went to Cincinnati for a Bengals game, took a tape recorder, and tape recorded the ambient noise of the stadium for the entire game. So just the natural crowd noise, the reaction, the PA announcer, all of it. In the background, you could hear the PA announcer, etc. They then came back with the two-and-a-half-hour audio tape of the Cincinnati of Riverfront Stadium or Bengals game, and they created a two-hour fake NFL broadcast of the Indianapolis Lasers' debut game against the Cincinnati Bengals in, like, week one of the 1981 season. And they had literally – I mean, they, they would say, like, you know, second and eight now for the Bengals. Here's the handout to Pete Johnson. Right side, tackle by – and they had – an entire roster of players from the Lasers made up of what would have been legitimately possible former IU and Purdue stars making a tackle. You know, Johnson tripped up at the 35, and you could hear the announcer and the, the PA guy in the background. Uh, Johnson, the ball carrier, gain a six. And they aired it one day on on a September day or whatever in like 1981. They aired it on WIBC and said they were, play, they were live at Laser Stadium. And people drove downtown, Indianapolis, like looking around like, where is Laser Stadium? Like, I didn't know anything about it. We have an NFL team. Well, what, are you, what are you talking about? We have an NFL team. They're, they're playing right now. They can't be playing right now. I didn't hear anything about it. It's on the radio. Turn it on. They're up 7 nothing in the second quarter. And, like, people thought it was real. And it was a, basically the Orson Welles of Indianapolis, which I think is awesome. Stephen Holder's in 10. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I told you, Lasers broadcast, man. Nice call by uh, Dig by Jimmy Cook there from Mark Monteith, who had posted that, Sam Fritz as well. That's been played. That was – they when this radio station, The Fan, launched – they actually played that broadcast in its entirety. But you could see, man, they did a heck of a job. Yeah. War of the Worlds is a good callback official. in terms of like a, a comparison to yeah. what it is, but you the like football that? equivalent of it, that's that's crazy. Uh, real quick, because we're up against it, but uh, do we really have a listener from Albuquerque? That That's what he told me. He's just west of Albuquerque, yes. Brian. What's up, Brian? 
how are you? I actually live in Carmel. I'm driving home from Scottsdale, Arizona, streaming your show, and I'm actually 80 miles west of Albuquerque. So, hey, as a company guy, I want to do what I can to bring the turkeys to Albuquerque. So if there's anything I can do for the company <laughs> while I'm driving through, let me know. Brian, let me ask you this. Have you been to Albuquerque? Uh, I've only stopped through to fuel up. I've never actually okay. spent any time. Have you seen – did you watch um, – Oh, what's the, the the I can't believe I just spaced on the name of the show with uh, about the meth. Sam, oh, help me out. Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad. Breaking Bad. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Okay, Love you got to go to the Breaking Bad house in Albuquerque. The people that own the house where Walter White lived in Breaking Bad. Um, y- you show up and they're sitting out in their front porch when I was, and you're like, oh, this is great. And there's all kinds of people taking pictures and a couple of people hoisting pizzas on the roof. And I walked up and the lady, I was about to say like hey you know this is a neat house or whatever and she literally said nothing and pointed to a sign in the front yard and their sign in the front yard says don't ask any effing questions no effing pictures don't effing talk to us except for that doesn't say effing it spelled it all out so you got to go go by and get a picture brian oh i absolutely will i'm a huge fan of that show oh great there you go one one observation real quick yeah go ahead Um, i uh yeah, I um, I just wanted to say, you know, Ballard, I'm not a, an apologist for Ballard, but he's drafted Pittman, Alec Pierce, and now Josh Downs. I think we need to give him a little bit of time. He, they've had nobody who can get him the ball. I mean, Matt Ryan can't throw from my front door to my mailbox. Ed Wentz, who can't, you know, couldn't read a defense at all. And then Phil Rivers couldn't sling it down the field either. So I just, you know, I just wanted to say that I want to give these young guys some time and give Anthony some time. To maybe uh, you know just learn the offense and hopefully they can open it up a little bit. They can throw the ball downfield a little more. That's really uh, all I have. To say. Fair statement, Brian. Very fair observation. Drive safely, by the way. Appreciate you listening. And drive safely. I made that drive from Albuquerque back to Indy uh, a couple years ago. Beautiful part of the country, no question. Stephen Holder up next. Sam, is that right? Yes, sir. All right. Stephen Holder will join us from ESPN.com on the other side. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. My name is Jake Query. Jimmy Cook, the other voice you hear on this program. He's the president of the company. Sam Fritz is filling in for our now-on-shaky-ground CEO, Eddie Garrison, who got the title and then immediately went to our non-existent HR department and put in a time-off request. We might have just almost had a legal suit brought our way, though, yes. by the interim CEO. So Sam, all kinds of turmoil. Sam seems to not understand that as a freelance employee of the company that any ideas that are presented by the company are the intellectual property of the company But itself. he is part of the company, so they are still his He's, ideas, but well, they're shared I'm, amongst the company. I'm I, part of the company here, but when I say the dulcet things that I do on the radio, it's not like I own them. Right? <laughs> I just have to lock down my position with the team. The last caller said that he wanted to support the team on behalf of, behalf of the company, but it was you know my intellectual property. But are you hey. part of the company, or are you just? I, I don't think, think I've been I handed. I think we're an all official... using the word intellectual a little too liberally. Uh, <laughs> joining us now on the hotline, he is actually the chief shareholder of Quarian Company because he's Stephen Holder from ESPN.com to talk about the Colts. And I've been saying all day we're going to talk about the Colts, and then we get sidetracked. I know that's a shocker. Um, Stephen, I'll begin with this: Are we going to see in Week Two? Any sort is the running game going to look any differently for Indianapolis in a combination of personnel and the way that Shane Steichen tries to get things uncorked to get some relief behind Anthony Richardson? 
Well, I, I was going to say, before I contribute to the program, I felt like I needed to, to find out how my shares were performing <laughs> to see whether this I, – I just want to know if this whole endeavor is paying off for me, but – well, that's okay. We we can do that later. Uh, as of um, now, as of now, the shares are still unlisted. So okay, we're it's a it's a guessing game. I got it. I got yeah, it. Yeah, that's what we do here. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, um, I I don't know that the running game is going to look a lot different. I, I think I think the uh, excuse the uh, the scratchy voice by the way. Um, I, I think the question is, does Anthony Richardson run the ball either more? or in terms of frequency or more effectively. And, and if he does, you know, what impact does that have in, in a trickle down manner to the rest of the running game? Uh, because right now their, their traditional running game is, is pretty poor and, and they're, they're in bad shape. They're in bad shape there. And, and I've got to tell you, there, there are ramifications of that. And you notice the Colts didn't take, really a lot of downfield shots in that game i mean anthony richardson i think was 26 this week in week one in in terms of air yards you know which means the amount of distance the ball is traveling in the air and it's not a knock on anthony richardson it's more of a reality and that reality is that uh the jaguars are playing two deep safeties and, and that's a coverage I think they're going to continue to see until they can force teams to bring a safety down into the box and address the run game. And right now, they're more than happy to defend the running game with the front seven. And, and more than half, they can more than handle it right now with that front seven. So there's no need right now for, for teams to get out of that. And until they, they can, you know, kind of entice teams to get out of that two safety alignment, it's going to be hard for Anthony Richardson to take those shots without taking some risk. I still think they should take some shots, but they're they're going to discourage you from doing that. How much does Zach Moss's return to the fold, or at least perceived return to the fold, as I believe there were reports out that he was out there today for practice? How much does that potential return? change things and if it does nothing to move where their running numbers were I mean it's hard to not improve off of week one's running back department running numbers if they aren't improved what is the next course of action is there then increased pressure to go sign a veteran well I I don't think it moves the needle a ton with Zach Moss coming back um I I think it helps a little a little does does it make a wholesale difference is it going to be obvious? I, I don't anticipate that. I mean, I think he, I think he's a better option, certainly. But if you think about, you know, when Zach Moss was in Buffalo, uh, they, they were very reluctant to run the football when he was their number one running back. I mean, they just were. It's just a fact. And, and, and they weren't really moving the ball on the ground at that point. I mean, they still aren't, but they – they moved him trying to you know, find someone who could help them do that with Naeem Hines. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to make a, a huge difference. Uh, he, he hasn't played in a long time. You know, he, he missed the whole preseason. Is he in shape? All of those things are, are questions that, that still remain. And so I guess we'll see. We'll see. But, I, I, you know, as for anticipating a massive upgrade with Zach Moss returning, no, I, I don't anticipate that. 
Stephen, uh, let's begin with this, actually, or not begin with, but I probably should have began with this. Just from a health standpoint, I thought Indianapolis you know, got out of week one fairly unscathed by NFL purposes you know, or, or standards. I mean, obviously, we've seen devastating injuries around the league. Um, anything creep up or pop up that we did not anticipate on the injury list so far this week? Well, we'll see what the injury list actually looks like when we get it later today. Uh, I did just come from practice, and and I noticed uh, Quentin Nelson was not dressed. I believe Braden Smith was not either. So, do I think they have severe injuries? No, uh, but you know, are they 100 percent? No, clearly not. So we'll see. Uh, they, they certainly can't afford to lose either one of those guys. It, it could be precautionary. Uh, let's see what the injury report says today when it comes out, uh, probably in another hour or two. Uh, but, but those are two names that I, I will be watching for when the injur- injury report comes out. How would you grade, Stephen? I think we know now that this guy is going to be a pillar, but uh, one week does not a season make nor a career. But how would you grade the performance and just the continued growth of Bernard Ryman? Um, I, I think it's <clears throat> excuse me, definitely acceptable, an acceptable level of play. Um, I see growth. I would say that at the rate he's grown over the past year, I think he's on the right trajectory. Now, it's going to get tougher, okay? Now, you know, they're going to see players like Miles Garrett later this year, you know, and how does that go? Um, do we see the continued growth against matchups like that? Uh, Will Anderson in Houston apparently got off to a good start last week. I didn't see uh, the Texans play, but but certainly he is a, a very athletic and and a relentless pass rusher. So you know, it just it, it really at left tackle, it really boils down to you know just consistency and and not really ever. Uh, letting up because you don't get a break you just don't you do not get a break and the the matchups are tough just about every week and so you also can't have a bad snap because that's the the league is such that at that position if you if you have you know a bad snap and, and you get you get off the ball late your quarterback's now laying on the ground horizontally you know, because that's just those are, those are the stakes. So there's no room for there's no margin for error, and and the expectations are are only going to get higher because the competition is going to get stiffer. So, but but all that being said, uh, I think Bernard Raymond is doing what's been asked of him, and and is working at it, and definitely looks more comfortable. Stephen Holder, our guest, covers the Colts for ESPN.com. Stephen, is there a avenue? for Kylan Granson to lock up either a majority of kind of like he did from a target share standpoint of the targets in the tight end room. I don't want to go as far as say as a tight end one, but we've seen how reliable tight ends can be in Shane Steichen offensive looks and the conversation all off season is look at all these tight ends. Who's going to emerge as a tight end one. Is that path there for Kylan Granson to seize? Well, he, he's doing his part to, to get there. I, he has made, I think, a, a pretty big jump. And I, I do think that he's, he's working at his blocking, which is really going to be a big part of this because if you're going to play more snaps, some of those snaps, frankly, no matter what, you, you're going to be asked to block. 
And so if he if he can consistently do that, then they are more comfortable putting you on the field. That's just what it is, and and, and more comfortable, you know, keeping you out there uh, when when the situation calls for maybe you to not get the ball. So I think it's all positive right now with Kylan Granson, and and I, and I would I would love to see that happen. I, I think the Colts would love to see that happen. You know, for him to 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 show that he has that kind of capacity to be that kind of of tight end for them because honestly I do think they have to get a lot out of that position they're they're limited at wide receiver and we know that from a personnel standpoint and so they have created a situation where uh, there's going to be expectations of their tight ends because they feel like there's more upside at that position so now they have to actually show performance it's not about you know, promise or or upside or any of those things. At some point, you have to actually perform. So there's really not any choice. Just given, you know, I think how limited they are right now at wide receiver, they got to get a lot out of that position. I also would say Jelani Woods when he comes back. Now he has to stay healthy. He's been banged up a lot. Uh, he 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 could potentially return in a couple of weeks, but he has to when he gets back on the field, he has to stay healthy. And he has to be the player they hope he can be because they're counting on him being, I think, one of those matchup problems as well. Stephen, I had mentioned earlier, Stephen Holder's our guest. He's with ESPN.com, of course, and ESPN. Um, Shane Steichen was obviously hired in when they knew they were drafting Anthony Richardson. Shane Steichen's chief responsibility probably is to come up with ways to take pressure off Anthony Richardson. But when you look at Anthony Richardson as a young, just-starting quarterback, in fact, in analyzing the games, is Anthony Richardson actually taking pressure off Shane Steichen? Should we be analyzing more the coaching decisions that were made? I see. Yeah, so I actually think that it was there, – there were some, some interesting decisions uh, by Shane Steichen. I did think he got a little bit vanilla in the second half and, and certainly was not aggressive. Now, what we, what we don't know, and this is what makes these evaluations hard, we don't know how much of what they did or did not do was a product of, of Shane Steichen's dictating it or, or Anthony Richardson and making decisions in the heat of the moment, right? So I just mentioned, for example – that they didn't make much of an attempt to stretch the field. They just did it. And I think you, you've got to take a shot or two. I mean, frankly, look, they didn't, they didn't punt the ball very well on Sunday. So let's say you've got a 40-yard a, a shot down the field and it gets intercepted. Well, I mean, that's just as good as a 35-yard punt, which is about what they were getting at times. I don't know what was going on with that, which is a whole other conversation. The point is, they're low percentage plays, but but the payoff is big. <clears throat> Excuse me, and and you've got Alec Pierce, who I mean, if he's not there for that, then what's he there for, right? So, I think you got to take some of those, and and so I would like to know. We're not going to get a straight answer, and Shane is just not going to do that. <laughs> That's okay, but I would like to know. It would be, it would be great to know were those lack of of you know downfield throws a product of the play calling or Shane Steichen being conservative. But if I, if I had any, any issue that that's where my issue was, I thought there was a lot of creativity 
in the first half, particularly late first quarter, early second quarter, you saw Anthony Richardson get into a groove. And a lot of that, I think, was dictated by some of the creative formations and play calling you saw from Shane Steichen. I didn't see nearly as much of that in the second half, but they also didn't have the ball nearly as much. Stephen, many moons ago, I worked at a cigar store here in Indy. My favorite customer was Reverend Fitzhugh Lyons, who was a reverend at Galilee Baptist Church over on the near east side. Loved the reverend, uh, the late reverend. He was the best. And I had a, a head cold one time. I was all stopped up, and I was a little, you know, my, I was coughing a little bit. My throat was scratchy. You know, I sounded a little hoarse. And so I asked the reverend, I said, hey, reverend, you know, you've got obviously a, a fast line upstairs. What, what can be done here to make me get better? <laughs> And he gave me very sage advice that I'm going to pass along to you. But so, um, do you want to guess what it was that he said was the instant, the instant cure for what was ailing me? That sounds like you might be a little under the weather yourself. Uh, well, I mean, I, it, it probably wasn't to uh, smoke a joint, but um, that would have been hilarious. <laughs> but <laughs> it was not that. That is correct. Uh, that was that was. Go home and enjoy a half a glass of the finest bourbon or whiskey in the house. I, I'm oh. thinking, I'm thinking you're good with the Reverend's advice, right? You know what? I'm liking them more and more. <laughs> uh -huh. hey, when they say take, when they say uh, take two of these and call me in the morning, uh, maybe that's what they meant. That's right. <laughs> you know, get yourself an old fashioned or just a straight. Straight Jack on the rocks, and you're good to go, man. You're good to go. Um, Look, let's let's do it. Listen, aside from the running game, which was obvious, aside from, you know, maybe even like schematically just protecting Richardson on, on runs, what is the little area where Shane Steichen and the Colts look at it after week one and decide that they need a shot of whiskey because it, they just were a little under the weather more than people thought? Uh, you know, I, I, I just think they need some dynamic – play from their skill position players in general. Their, their, their skill players, I mean, Michael Pittman, all the credit in the world, he made a fantastic play on that receiver bubble screen, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, I, I probably the fastest I've ever seen him run. He actually took a little bit of umbrage after the game. He said, you know, you guys always say I'm not fast, <laughs> which we probably do. So <laughs> that was fair. Um, so I, I love that. But you watched that play, and did you feel that type of explosiveness at any other point in the game? I didn't, you know. And so maybe a time or two from Anthony Richardson, you know, but, but obviously he can't do that on every other play. So just, you know, for, for the preservation purposes. So I just think there's – it just seems to be this lack of, of dynamic – or what's the word? Dynamism? Dynamism? I don't know. I'm making words up. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not that sick. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, <laughs> that's just. I'm trying to think of what the what the word would be. Dynamo, yeah, not I dynamo. I, I don't know. I, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get the thesaurus when I get home. But um, you know, look, I, I I do think that there just seem to be. You know, just a, a little bit. There's a lack of that. And, and just I think when you look at the elite teams in the NFL, I'm not suggesting you can go find that in the middle of, of a season. But, you know, you, if you were asking, you know, if you needed a shot of juice somewhere, I think that's exactly what they need. <laughs> they need a shot of juice, a shot in the arm. You know, this, 
who is the defense worried about? Who who's the matchup the defense is worried about and keeping them up at night? And I think if you ask yourself that question as a Colts fan, I don't think you're going to love the answer, frankly. The degree to which a process adapts to changing data or requirements is known as dynamicism. See, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Listen, I, I don't know if I could pronounce it. Steven, I, 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 I got news for you, okay? Kids from Central Florida and Florida State ain't coming up with dynamicism. But you get that private education from University of Miami, and guess what, right? That's how it works, right? Let me tell you. I I think it costs like $68,000 a year to go there now, all in. And let me tell you, they don't don't charge that for nothing, okay, buddy? (laughs) That's right. That's what you get out of it, right? That's right. I'm I'm looking up Miami cost of attendance right now. I think you're under. I think you're under. No, I think so, too. I think so, too. Yeah, um, I've got a friend, a good friend. She was my neighbor growing up. Uh, she actually went to school there as well. And we were we were talking. Her daughter is, you know, looking at colleges. And the husband is a big Florida State fan. So she's – and they have a relative who works there. So they're thinking – she's thinking Florida State. And, and mom's like, oh, my God, I don't know if I could do it. But then she looked at the tuition at Miami, and she's like, you know what, I'm fine. Okay, now. Florida State it is. Are we going undergraduate on campus or undergraduate off campus? Cost of attendance for the University of Miami, according to their website, Stephen. Which one do you want to go with? Oh, I mean, listen, I lived on campus for a year because my parents were like, yeah, this ain't happening. Right. I mean, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't paying. They, my parents were not paying tuition. I, I would never have gone there. I would have gone to, like, community college if it was up to my parents paying because – it just we didn't have it right, but um, you know, just in terms of like trying to keep the cost in check so that I could actually like live and then make sure that my financial aid and scholarship covered the cost. Uh, yeah, I moved off campus after a year because it was like, all right, I'm gonna have my loans are gonna get crazy, all that. So um, yeah, for me it was off campus. Okay. so I don't know, but, but undergraduate off campus, just for kicks on campus, just for kicks. Well, the difference is negligible, to be honest with you. It's a $900 difference between the two. The undergraduate on-campus cost for the University of Miami, according to their official website, all all costs in. Jimmy, you want to guess? One year. One year? Yes, for one year. 35000 Oh, no. That was when I when I was in school. It was like 30, 34 or something. Sam like Fritz, that. you got a guess? I'm just because of the reaction that we just got. I'll bump it up to a fifty-five thousand. I'm going to modify and say eighty-two. Tuition, fees, food and housing, books, personal transportation, and loan fees: eighty-eight thousand four hundred and forty dollars per year. Oh no! Oh no! Uh, eighty-eight thousand four hundred forty. Now, if you want to go off campus and be the cool guy like Stephen Holder, and then eighty-nine thousand three hundred and six dollars a year. However, however, living with a parent. Problem being that Stephen's parents had zero interest in him living with them. But if they did, $76,142. Oh, let me be clear. I live with my parents. And and let me tell you, there's nothing worse than living on campus and then moving off campus back to your parents' house. <laughs> you, feel, the, yeah. you, I, feel you need like to be home by 12, have, Stephen. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I'm, I'm like, I went from no rules to I'm back in my parents' house. <laughs> totally. Son, if you're going to live in like, this house I'm under these rules. <laughs> I, I hear you, man. That cost I, does include a meet and greet with Sebastian, though. So at least you got right. that going for that's you. That's right. I mean. yeah, that, that'd be cool, right? Get a couple of pictures, right? 
Um, here's the here's the big question: How long will it take you after graduation to make eighty eight thousand dollars a year? I mean, that's I, I don't know that answer. But well, and that's for a year. <laughs> I mean, right. you know, so you're looking at three fifty two by the time you're all said and done. Uh, Stephen, oh against God. against Houston, this is. I guess if there's some interest about this game, it's the fact that you've got C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson. Uh, have you gotten a chance at all to, to get kind of just get an overview or a buzz on C.J. Stroud's performance in Week One, and uh, you know how Houston may, in similar or differing fashion, be handling a young quarterback? Not a ton. I, I didn't get a chance to watch his tape, but but I, but I think what you're looking at with uh, with, with C.J. Stroud is. Um, he's a, they're a much different type of player. So uh, he's going to be a guy who's delivering the football and, and getting the ball out. I think with the Colts, their offense is much more centered around Anthony Richardson because uh, his his uniqueness and the unique nature of his game is a bigger part of what they do, if that makes sense. So, you know, with the Texans, it's much more largely dependent on like, okay, who's playing wide receiver and what are the routes and all of those things. They still matter obviously a lot with Anthony Richardson, but, but there's that other element here, which is let's move him around. Let's run him. Let's, you know, create those other elements that are based off of, of, of the quarterback's movement. And, and those are not things you're going to do with CJ Stroud. I mean, he's just really, from an athletic perspective, he's just not the same guy. He's not even in the same area code, obviously. So, so I think that's where they're different. Um, but he's also going to take fewer hits, at least out of, outside of the pocket. So there's that. Defensively, Stephen, I thought the Colts looked good for most of that game against Jacksonville, and I'm willing to chalk it up to, well, look how much time they had to play versus look at the offense they were playing. It's a competent, nice, balanced offense that Doug Peterson has cooking there. If they the Colts have a lead in this game and they have another second half collapse. Are we in the territory of maybe this is the same as the back end of last year and maybe this defense isn't a complete unit. They're just fine. Are we in that territory yet? Not, not yet, but I, I do think if it happens again, sure. Th- that question will be reasonable. What I would say is that I think a couple things. number one <laughs> Trevor Lawrence, my God, like we got to start respecting this guy. Okay. And I think people yeah. do. So yep. Steven, I, listen, I try not to be a homer. I try to be objective. Yeah. Admittedly, I'm a, as you know, I mean, I'm a huge Clemson football fan. I watched him play like every snap of his college career. Yeah. And I was telling people, I'm like, he has Peyton Manning tendencies and people are like, you're just, you're biased. I remember when he was coming oh. out, there was a guy on the old radio show that I did that bet with me that Jacob Eason would have a better pro career than Trevor Lawrence, who was overrated. And I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, like, like he, the fact that he survived the urban Meyer disaster and the joke of the rookie year that he was thrown into and still has competence, but you, Steven, I'm not saying you personally. So you just as euphemism, you finally saw it right in that game. You saw exactly why people who've watched this guy a lot said to themselves, he has an it factor. Yeah, so there's a – I don't have it in front of me, and I'm going to botch this, but there's apparently um, a, a metric on next-gen stats that basically measures, like, the most difficult throws, like how, how a quarterback performed 
on, on the most difficult throws. And Trevor Lawrence in week one was by far number one. And I forget what it's called. I, I know that's – I'm giving it a very unofficial name here. <laughs> but, but that's basically it in layman's terms. Trevor Lawrence was number one. And if you look at the throws, I mean, like the touchdown to Zay Jones, first off, okay. Like we talked about Zay Jones' catch. That throw is freaking ridiculous. There's another throw where he's rolling to his left. And I forget, I think he hits Calvin Ridley. He's rolling to his left. He throws across his body. 30 yards down the field, I have no idea how. And the throw is incredibly accurate. I mean, it's just – so my point to you is that, like, they got pressure on him. Uh, they drove him out of the pocket. The Colts did, you know, all the things that you want to do against a quarterback. You made him uncomfortable, get him off the spot, all the things that coaches give you, those, those cliches they give you in the press conference. You know, we got to get him off the spot. we gotta got to get consistent pressure on him. And they did all that. And then you know what he did? He just ripped the ball down the field and said, all right, now what? <laughs> so, like, Trevor Lawrence is the real deal. So that's, that's the first thing. And then um, I, I, thought the coverage, I thought the coverage held up. It was, it was fine. I, I had doubts because, I mean, you know, you're starting guys at corner, frankly, that no one's ever heard of. <laughs> okay? It, it's, it's a real thing. I, I understand those doubts. So that really wasn't ultimately their problem. I just think really it's a matter of, limiting the big plays, which they generally did, but, but there were a couple that they, they'd like to have back. If you do that, I, I think it's a different game. So they're not that far away, the Colts on defense, but a lot of it was, was Trevor Lawrence, and then some of it is just, you know, they just got to tighten up on a couple of plays here. He's Stephen Holder, covers the Colts for ESPN.com. Stephen, looking forward to talking with you next week. Enjoy the weekend. And last thing for you, um, as president of Query and Company, president of the company, I can safely tell you we're aiming for quarter two of 2024 for some idea of where your shares are at, I think. Oh, so that's when we hit profitability. Gotcha. Okay. So we're aiming for it. That's what we're hoping for, right? Around yeah. the time when Around the time when we're having a – Whiskey at a Pacer game, Stephen. We'll be able to then officially give you a report. <laughs> okay. I love it. I love it. Hope Thanks, you feel guys. better, man. Appreciate the time. Thanks, Stephen. All right. See you. All right. Stephen Holder on the program. By the way, uh, speaking of sports in Indianapolis, big event coming up this weekend, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It is, in fact, the IMSATireRack.com Battle on the Bricks. Jake, that's great. What exactly does that mean? Well, let me tell you. Uh, IMSA, of course, being the top sports car series in North America, and when you're talking about sports cars, you're talking about different classes of cars all racing on the track at the same time on the road course at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. The Battle on the Bricks is going to be taking place this weekend with the championship round on Sunday. And we've got tickets not for one, but for two of you that we will give away coming up. Sam Fritz, you would like this to be caller number what? Let's go. Well, do you want me to do two callers since we're giving away two pairs? We're doing two of them. Yep. All right. I would say caller number four would be my first choice. Okay. And then, do I get to pick the second as well, yes, or am I it, taking yes. too much ground here? No, go ahead. Uh, caller number seven for the next one. Okay, despite the fact that you're already trying to steal the intellectual property of the Quarian <laughs> Company and take it as your own, we will go with that four and seven. Callers number four and seven, you are on your way to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Of course, tickets are available for the IMSA event at IndianapolisMotorSpeedway.com. IMS.com works just fine if you do that, by the way. The IMSATireRack.com, Battle on the Bricks. Tickets up next, uh, right now, I guess I should say. Four callers, four and six at 239-107. It's Query and Company on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Jimmy, I'd mentioned at the top of the show that I'm curious about the, you know, the FIBA World Basketball Championships 
kind of a coming out party for Tyrese Halliburton, at least on the national stage. I think most people know how good he is. Um, and I think there's the hope that watching Halliburton play on that kind of a stage and what he was able to do, not only from a scoring standpoint at times, getting them back into games, but also in facilitating others, are why Halliburton is, is probably more valuable to the Pacers than he would even be to a lot of franchises because they're hopeful that he's the gateway, right, towards getting other players interested in Indiana. But in terms of Team USA falling short, you know, we were so accustomed to the United States national teams always dominating international competitions. I, how big a concern is it for you to see USA Team USA not not win that tournament? Initially, it was kind of frustrating because I felt like it was a, a good group. It was clearly not the best of the best that the NBA has to offer. So it was frustrating that they wind up not only getting bounced, but then losing the third place game to Canada. But then the fallout from that, if this winds up happening, is elation that it happened because the wave the last 48 hours, and we'll see if they follow through with this, is that LeBron James, Steph Curry, you would think Kevin Durant after that, are thinking about one more ride with Team USA. And I'm not saying that LeBron is still going to be like LeBron. He won't be. He's not going to be LeBron of 2012 or LeBron of 2016. And that Steph Curry or Kevin Durant are going to be what their past selves were for Team USA. But the fact that they now realize or they have a motivation to go represent Team USA when that was kind of up in the air excites me a great deal. And yes, the standard now is win the gold, throttle everybody by 35. And anything short of that is going to be a disappointment. But the fact that that loss potentially led to a rejuvenation of the past guard, but still superstar level players in this country to represent it. I can't wait for 2024. I'm really excited. You know, I, I think a big part of, and this still is the case, as crazy as it sounds, a big part of these international competitions, even though you have some players that have played a lot of the international games at this point, but the rules and the way they're called, in the way the game's played at the international stage in particular, um, you know, like I said, the rules notably, there are variations that are different. And I do think that when you look at players like Luca, you know, guys that grew up playing under the international rules, it is just more second nature. And then you have, obviously, in some cases, teams that that group of players have been playing together for a longer time than even though they are a massively individually talented group, sometimes the team that Team USA can put together. But, you know, I can certainly recall the times when it was absolutely the biggest fait accompli ever that the United States was going to win whatever international competition they were in, that it was a slam dunk, they were going to be the team that wins it. And look, that window has closed. The NBA is a big part of that because the NBA has worked so valiantly over the last 30 years to internationally grow the game. And, you know, it's always been a good – there have always been good players in Europe. There have obviously always been – good players like in Africa, but in terms of the resources to be able to, for those good players to, to be playing from a national standpoint extensively, you're just now starting to see players that have grown up knowing no different than that and being introduced to that game and being competitive on a world stage. But people, I, but, point, people point to 1992's dominance and the rest of the world one from admiration, Correct. but also dreaming to themselves. We want that one day. Right. We want to be able to compete with the Americans. It's taken 30 years yeah. for it to get there, but now you're seeing it where it's no longer 
a, a pushover type matchup. And maybe that changes in 2024. Steph Curry, Devin Booker, KD, LeBron James, Joel Embiid. If that's a starting five, like that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. But the, the, the stage has been leveled to some extent because of that. When I was in Barcelona, I wanted so badly to see the arena where the dream team played. And I certainly could have, but it, it actually is like an hour outside of Barcelona. Like the rest of the Olympic Village was fabulous, but the arena is is far outside of the city itself. We'll come back, put a bow tie on it. Jonah, we'll get to you as well. And we'll hand it over to John on the other side. It is on a Wednesday. Query and Company here, 93.5-1075, The Fan. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a f- athlete. This is my play. F- this is how I win. Today's Plays of the Day, all action in the MLB. We'll lay one and a half on the run line. It's burned us the last two days. Got to come back today. Give me the Astros, one and a half on the run line over the Oakland Athletics. Going to take the Los Angeles Dodgers on the money line over the San Diego Padres. Seattle Mariners lay one and a half on their run line against the Los Angeles Angels to close things out. Give me the Orioles on the money line over the Cardinals. One and two yesterday looking to bounce back today. Sammy, have anything? Thursday night football, Philadelphia Eagles at home at the link. They're currently minus seven. We're, at, we're minus six, I'm sorry, uh, where I'm looking. I have more confidence that I would take Eagles minus 10 on Thursday. Sam is not here tomorrow. I like that. That's bold. That's strong. So we'll let him do a play of the day for Thursday instead. Now, hold on. I said we get to Jonah as well before we hand it off to John. But, John, feel free to chime in. No, Jonah joins us Jonah. in Arizona. He's the director of the Arizona branch for the Quarry Company. Jonah, what's up? Hey, what's going on? It, you know, this is the second call from Arizona you've had on your show. So, if that's not a record, then I don't – That's a good point. I thought, Jonah, did you move back or did I read that wrong? No, I'm actually – I was supposed to move back back in April, but I'm actually moving until the end of the year. So, I will be back in Indianapolis soon rather than later but yeah i had to push it back about six months my daughter is already back in indianapolis so yeah it's it's tough being away from her but yeah i have to wait till december well we'll be happy to have you back what's on your mind today oh lots on my mind i'm glad you're doing the midday show because uh in arizona it starts at 4 a.m that's a little too early to listen to jay query but it's good to hear from you again anytime's too early Um, to listen to me jonah (laughs) true um i a lot of positives take away from the Colts game. Um, and positives I wasn't really sure I was going to have before after the game, but I really liked how Richardson looked. I thought he looked poised in a lot of drives, made some good throws. I would, Hey, Jonah, I, I apologize because we're up against it. Um, but obviously we can get you tomorrow. I agree on Richardson. Okay. I mean, obviously agree on Richardson. Um, John, I think that's kind of been the overall sentiment, has it not, from most people, is that at the very least they're – they're exciting again, and you see the flashes, right? No, what did Jonas say? I didn't hear it. I didn't have headphones on. <laughs> he said that he liked what he saw out of Anthony Richardson. Uh, yeah, and that he was most. No, ex- no, no, yeah, exactly. I mean that, and that he was ex- solid. He said he was excited that I'm on the middays because he doesn't have to get up at four in the morning to listen yeah. to me in Arizona. Now you're excited about that as well. <laughs> I am. Four you. in the morning was about the time I was going to bed, so this works better, right? I know you dig working with uh, Jimmy Cook right here, but you like it because you get to sleep in. That is correct. Both. Both yes, counts, right? Exactly. You got a big show lined up? I have no idea. Do we, James? What do you got over? James gives me the thumbs up. So we'll not see. two thumbs though. We, we operate. Yes, we shall see. We operate under three. similar Did you planning talk nothing procedures. But sports today is Brian and Mooresville happy I, with this three-hour effort because I, that's you know what it matters. I told Brian and Mooresville that he had an open invite to call in and we'd talk about the sports he liked, and I was being sincere, but he did not call it. Why in. don't you take Brian and Mooresville to Gray Brothers Cafeteria for lunch? Sometime? I know, and then we can go get some Levi's. 
Yeah. <laughs> some yeah. jeans over there yeah, in the, the, hey, Levi, the Levi get outlet. Some, get some Levi's. <laughs> that's right. 501s, button flies. <laughs> that's right. Then peg them like it's 1991. I did, man. Some peg stonewashed jeans, baby. Oh, I look good. Oh, yeah. I look good then. All right, John. Yep. Carry it home, all right? Yeah, buddy. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back at noon tomorrow.